1159 at Radio Free America, and this is Uncle Sam with Music and the Truth Until Dawn. Right now, I've got a few words for some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. The chair is against the walls. The chair is against the walls. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on and behind the lines, this is your song. <laughs> Hey, welcome everybody to our Daily Gun Show. Come to you live every weeknight at midnight Eastern. A little bit early today because it is the 31st of December. And in a couple of moments here, it should be midnight for everybody out on the East Coast. Uh, we talk about guns for an hour. We got Clover Tech jumping in from Texas. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for the about. Happy New Year. And we got Gramps jumping in. Where are you from? Illinois. Oh, okay. So uh, you got an hour, both of you are in Central, and you both got an hour or so before the New Year hits? Yeah, if I make it that far. <laughs> and then uh, I'm in Arizona, so I've got a couple hours yet. And then uh, I think California is off for me now, right? I'm on mountain time, I think. California is on the Pacific, so we'll give a couple hours of uh, New Year's to deal with at least. Uh, I see Ashley out there from... Uh, Gunstreamer saying happy new year from Gunstreamer. Thank you. And uh, we'll send you a link over on the gun channel side if you want to join in. You're always welcome. Uh, let's see. Snob is out there. We can send him a link if he's interested. Got a couple of links out there already. Some of the regular panel members that jump in. And uh, we'll dig in. So it's the new year coming up here. Um, it's also Monday, so we normally talk about uh, behind the scenes. We talk about uh, how to create a channel and keeping a channel going. And we got Clover in here, so usually I can. It's easy to talk him into talking nerds about nerd stuff about keeping channels running and that kind of thing. Usually, yeah. Nerd stuff is good. And then we got Snob jumping in. Thanks for joining uh, to Oklahoma. So another Central. You all got an hour or something. We're about an hour right now. Yep. That's right on the run. Right in the background, couldn't kill it. All right. Well, so since we're talking New Year, uh, I guess one thing is to look back, but a lot of people are looking back. I've seen a lot of posts on Instagram. There must have been some sort of a thing you could sign up for that would show you your top posts. Yeah, there's actually a website. You don't even have to like sign up or anything. There's oh, app. Yeah, there's. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna probably release mine tomorrow. My top nine. But there's a uh, second. I will tell you what it is. I can actually link it. Uh, map for a minute, and then I'll. Yeah, I just went on and looked at my insights. I guess not all ch channels have an insight tab or whatever. But I was able to just go into my insights and flip over to content, and it just tells you your most popular chats and you can choose the length of one year two years or different increments right i'll actually throw the link out there for everybody it's it's weird it's 2017 best night best com, and it's the number 2017 okay so it's probably going to the api which is basically a think of it as a usb for internet stuff there's a site like instagram uh, will have certain amount of feed that you can get from it. So you can listen like a speaker. You can't talk to Instagram like a microphone, like some other uh, systems. But uh, this website must use their API, and then you tell it whatever uh, channel you want or page or whatever it's called on Instagram, and then it'll uh, 
pull from that API, basically the most popular stuff, you know, with the filter of the last year. And then, so I've been seeing a lot of those, you know, obviously it's a time to look backwards, but we got shot coming up and we've got, you know, another year ahead of us. So I like to look forward. Um, so I figure that's what we do tonight, if it's okay with everybody. And uh, I don't know, is this going to be a big year or is this going to be another year? I'll just go left to right to kind of set the stage. Uh, Clover, what do you think? Is this going to be a big year, normal year, small year, just in uh, general? What, what perspective, I guess? I'm talking bird's eye view, just perspective. Like, is this going to be an up year, down year, middle year? Like over, overall? Um, yeah. I think we're still building on some, some cool stuff. I, I think we're building. Things are changing. Uh, dynamics are changing. We've seen that happen in 2018. I think we'll continue to see that happen in 2019. I think we're in the early evolution of 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 a shift in the dynamics with uh, not just in the farm community and all with social media, but all that stuff and how it's utilized in general, the digital media. So, um, yeah, in big picture, I mean, I think there's I think there's cool things on the horizon for 2019. Right on. Cycle jumped in from uh, Connecticut, so happy New Year to you. Um, I don't know if you heard the question, but we're asking just in general, bird's eye view. Do you think nineteen is going to be a big year, little year, medium, same as before? I think uh, locally it's going to be a very difficult year because we're going to waste a lot of resources uh, fighting against uh, more bad gun control laws because of the uh, change in demographics uh, caused by the November elections. Unfortunately, I think from talking to uh, Tony the other day, I think New Jersey's going to be the same. People in New Jersey are going to be thinking the same thing. I suspect some of the other states also. Uh, Gramps, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, uh, kind of the, the same thing Cycle just said. Uh, being here in Illinois, we're going to be fighting tooth and nail. Um, and it's w with a super majority in both houses and a Democratic governor, it's going to be pretty tough. Um, so locally, we're going to be fighting our keisters off. Okay, so gun snob will finish it up. Um, I think locally we'll be, uh, you know, where I live, I'll be fine. But as far as federally, I'm a little concerned for this year. Well, I'm optimistic, so I can't help but think it's going to be better and Honestly, I, I agree with Clover. There's so many things happening all over the place in different levels of tech and society and culture and everything besides just guns and everything. I think that we're getting past the blinders that people have had in you know previous generations and years. And uh, especially with all this division, I have to assume at some point people are going to realize that this is engineered and rebel. And when they, when the people finally rebel against that, I think it's going to be kind of neat. I don't know if I, I suspect it's going to be uh, pretty good, but uh, I like the idea that Hollywood's losing its stranglehold hold on stuff and its ability to, um, you know, create the conversation and uh, see what happens with that. Al just jumped in from Texas. What are you thinking next year is going to be like? Good, bad, or the same as eighteen? Uh, we'll see what the future holds. Um, I know, as has been the last few years, uh, technology, communication, all that right now is uh, really hot on the mobile market. So um, still uh, trying to learn some of that uh, application development stuff. 
I, I will say at a national level that um, I am very heartened by the two appointments to the Supreme Court. And one of the biggest disappointments for 2017, 2018 was the inability of SCOTUS to take up significant legislation about gun rights. And I think if any good comes out of next year, it'll be because of the two justices that were appointed. And I'm hoping that we do see a reversal of that trend. Right. Right. And that'll stifle, that'll stifle a lot of the, I think that might be why you've seen, and this is looking backwards a little bit, of course, but I think that might be why you've seen a lot of the states trying to push state legislatures trying to push things is because they knew deep down that the way the, the balance of the court was that there wasn't really going to get any, get any pushback or anything but from that direction. And now, you know, all the Supreme court really has to do at this point is, is to bat down, you know, one of those and some of these states may, you know, may not waste their time. They may move on to other things. Yes, that is an excellent point. So addressing the concerns people that live in states where there are issues, and there definitely are going to be issues, I think there's something to be optimistic about, and that's this bum stock thing that just happened to us uh, recently. And the... Uh, resistance with at least awareness and the immediate response that we've seen uh, wasn't light. It was, I would like to see it more, but uh, certainly wasn't overlooked or it wasn't uh, just disregarded. And I'm really hoping that uh, this will be an opportunity in 2019 for a lot of the uh, people to uh, help rally with those of you behind whatever we want to call, you know, in, in the states where you have the worst persecution of, the, of gun rights. And, uh, well, I mean, we haven't worked together well in the past. I'm thinking 2019 certainly an opportunity to work better together. And I would like to think that, uh, you know, people can uh, affect change in other states, the states that they don't live in. Yeah, that's where a little bit of that better organization and stuff is, is going to have to come into play, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. We need to figure out a way to be better organized and everyone quit fighting amongst ourselves. Well, I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's still a lot of mobilization that needs to be done. Um, I was, I was thinking about this earlier and not to, not to get onto that bandwagon or, or subject, but it's one that's relevant to my thoughts earlier. And my thoughts were, the, there's the, all this terminology that gets thrown around all the time, and one of the terms is sheeple. Oh, you're just all sheeple. You're just all sheeple. You're just all sheeple. And there's sheeple on both sides of the of the spectrum, unfortunately. And we've got sheeple on our side that holler sheeple at people on the left, while they're sheeple to you know the the powers that be to the right. And we need we need everybody in that middle waking up. Um, in 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 doing their part and and doing something. I mean, this technology these technologies are easy to grasp, and you know, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. You know, the fact that YouTube or Facebook or whoever it might be may or may not censor this or censor that or whatever is no use to 
not use the tools to the best of your ability to get a message out. You know, you're you're not taking advantage of the ability to amplify your voice. And even if you're not able to amplify it as much as the left, you're still able to amplify it. And, um, right, but it takes it 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 takes people that are not the sheeples, be they left or right, but you have to you have to couch what it is you're saying. I'm not saying being politically correct, but but to educate people um, as opposed to pointing a finger at them. No, no, we have to definitely we we can't utilize the tactics of the of the left, and we're speaking in a broader political spectrum here not right really anti-gunners but you know you have to you know reagan said it you know best when he's like you know, we need uh you know a party that's and he was talking political parties but it, it applies with any type of a of a discussion or you know a battle or whatever you're going through and he's like we don't need you know pale pastels we need we need bold colors and that's what we need we need something completely opposite of what of their tactics and their tactics is to fear monger and scare and name call and all of that. And we've got to, we've got to do it better. Amen. And I think that uh, I agree with you. And I think that we've got the mindset to, to work towards that. We don't have an interest. We don't win when people are afraid or uneducated or ignorant, right? We, we want to, you know, succeed on those fronts. So I think we'll have better, odds of doing it because we're all on the same path as far as that goes where right. I don't know what the other side's doing. Well, we just get in, in some of the divisions like, you know, Snob was bringing up, some of the divisions are extremely petty because some of the divisions have to do, you know, you look at it in the sense of fighting a war, right? You got an air game, you got a ground game, you got a C, you got a C game, right? You've got an intel game, you got a logistics game, you got you got all these components of a war, right? And and Let's say we're dealing on the war against the Second Amendment. There's different fronts that have to be fought, and there's different ways and different equipment and different methods by which to do that. And some people are better equipped and more skilled at, at different parts of it. That doesn't mean that they don't care about, you know, it doesn't mean that the foot soldiers don't care about the, the, the battleships in the ocean. That doesn't mean that the battleships in the ocean don't care about the, the air game, right? We, where there's all a greater, it's a, it's a greater goal. So I think a lot of the divisions, you know, we, we blow them out of a proportion just a little bit because that's, it's, it's a matter of perspective and then people doing what they're, they're able to be more efficient at doing. And, and that's where it takes everybody kind of pitching in and doing their part. And awareness, right? Awareness of the situation you're describing it. Like, cause if we're in a war, you don't say, well, I guess in the micro level, people go, oh, there's too much money going to the aircraft carriers or whatever. But you don't say, oh, the aircraft carrier, I don't like what the aircraft carrier is doing. I'm out of this war. When, like you say, there's an air front and there's a Navy front and there's a land front and all these other things you've got going on. So it's, I agree. It's just awareness. Once people realize, you know, it's not the task of every organization to do everything. Right. Exactly. But there needs to be that that organizational aspect that I think we've been we've been lacking, and you know, hopefully in, in 2019, hopefully we can get you know with some of these Second Amendment you know organizations and stuff, maybe we can get, maybe we can get a little bit of headway. 
you know, maybe not have get the task completed, but at least start moving in that direction. So Robbie says on the gun channel side, sheeple is a term used when there is no intent for discussion. That's very well said. And that's, I think, what you guys were saying. If you're aware, not so much politically correct, but just aware of your communication, if you want to actually have a back and forth, then don't say a bunch of stuff that's going to cause the other side to shut down. Or well, Yeah, the second right. you start screaming libtard, people don't really respond real well to that. <laughs> and where I started, when I started, where I started thinking about this earlier today, my beef was I'd watched a thing having to do with old Sargon of Akkad and Patreon. And there was people that were completely uneducated with what it means to be a creator and everything else and how Patreon works and and how creators get paid and the, the whole nine yards. They were clueless. The, they were going solely off of what they've been told by people, right? That was their basis of education is they didn't do their own homework. They weren't told and then they went and did their own homework on the subject or they got involved where they knew the subject. They were just told. And then they turn around and because somebody doesn't agree with them or whatever, or somebody tries to point out the flaws in the thinking, well, those people are sheeple. So it's we got sheeple calling people sheeple is the, is the issue I've got. You know, before you can call somebody a sheeple at all, you know, or even think about somebody in that term, whether you call them that or not, if we're going to even consider people as sheeple and people need to be woke or, you know, whatever nomenclature you want to use for that, then, you know, we've got to, we've got to rise above and be a, a person that is, is that shepherd, is that gatekeeper, is that sheepdog, right? We've got to be above that. Yeah. Don't, don't take necessarily what they're saying personally, uh, you know, rise above it. And, and like I said before, just try to educate. And know, yeah, and know what you're talking about. Yep. You know, or it, even if you don't know what you're talking about, at least be open to the conversation and open to the point that, you know, I know 80% of this, but that doesn't mean the remaining 20% won't change my mind on what, you know, on what the issue is. Right. So you have to hear that out. Odds are, if you're already 80% sure of something, it's probably not. But, you know. If nothing else, it gives you insight in, you know, knowing your enemy is, you know, most of the battle in any case. So, you know, we've we've got to hear everybody out. And we've got to have that conversation and we've got to push to try to make those conversations happen. Well, yeah, you're never going to win anybody if you don't at least listen to their argument, too. If you just tune them out. Yeah. And a lot of people get 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 upset. I mean, they they see they watch too much YouTube. <laughs> And I, and I hate to say that, yes, I say that with a little bit of reserve, but they watch a little bit too much YouTube and they watch a little too much right-wing media. I said this some time ago that, you know, I turned off talk radio and Fox News and, and cable TV and all of that for just almost a year. Uh, and I took my news through my own research and dribs and drabs over the year. And I was a much happier, much more educated person because uh, even... I don't know. It just it just whips people up, I guess, which is is kind of weird. But um, yeah, it does. So it's important. I forgot where I was even going with that. But um, well, just paying attention to the media and their message all the time, and being absorbed in the day to day of their. Yeah, you get you get pigeonholed into wanting to just repeat rhetoric a lot of times, right? 
um, instead of original thought. And hey, I've thought about this, and here's my take on this. Um, and then so you know we and we see the the opposite side of any issue. And, you know, they always pick the worst of the worst, right? They always pick the people that are on the left and they're screaming and yelling and pounding their fists and everything else. And the left does the same thing to us. They pick the people that are screaming to the top of their lungs and pound. They don't pick the reasonable people trying to enter into a conversation. And because I think we're bombarded with that, that, oh, these people are unreasonable on the left. And, oh, these people are unreasonable on the right. And we're so bombarded with that, that if somebody, if we start a conversation with somebody and they say something we disagree with, then our mind wants to immediately jump to that defensive mechanism of, I've got to retaliate instead of, whoa, wait a minute, slow down, stop. Let's figure out where this person's coming from first. You know, why are they saying what they're saying? Is it coming from emotion? Is it coming from something they heard through mainstream media? Is it, is it flat out just misinformation? You know, they've just got a, a weird way of, of looking or thinking at things. Or do they have some kind of a legitimate beef? Because, you know, sometimes when you're dealing particularly with, with, um, with anti-gun people or people that are seemingly, I should say, anti-gun, then a lot of times there's some type of a, a close emotional connection. There's, a, there's been a, some kind of a tragedy or something, um, you know, in the family or friend or community or something like that that's affected them. And while the, while the fear and the whole perspective may be sort of unreasonable, the emotion is not unreasonable, and so it needs to be dealt with and it needs to be talked about. Well, one thing I found in my personal experience is talking to people that are somewhat anti-gun and stuff like that, or ask questions instead of try to tell them stuff, just ask questions, you know, of, you know, why is that, you know, and I mean, be honest and be friendly and nice about it and just ask questions. And it seems to get farther because you get to the root of what they're, why they think they believe a certain way. So I think that we're talking about something that has to do with what, well, I, I'm going to connect it with what Rob mentions out here on the YouTube side. He had a couple of comments. One was from before, and I'm trying to see it as the scroll goes by. Um, Got to get grassroots. Can't win on a rig system. Doing the same thing ex and expecting different results is insanity. That's one comment. And then later he says, uh, things get done when people hit the streets, not posting the same old stuff. So I agree and I disagree. And I think it has to do with what you guys were talking about to some extent. So, again, I like to look at things big picture, especially at the beginning end of a year like this, right, when we have a chance to kind of stand on the peak and look down at next year or down at last year. And uh, now let's expand that to even more time. <clears throat> and we've got this evolution of conversation that we as Americans, as individuals, uh, have had over the years. We have a free press and a uh, First Amendment, so we have a right to talk. We have a right to you know, say things that other people don't like and stuff, right? So uh, we've had to evolve our ability to communicate over the years for societal and cultural things, and then is is you know to to accommodate technology and the, the jumps and advances in technology, which almost all come from our country. So um, I agree that if we do the same thing over and over and expect different results, it's insanity. I think we have more and more potential than ever before uh, because of the tech and the willingness of people to communicate and have conversations that um, you know we have a potential to to do things different ways and I think that the the conversation as a culture as a country 
is evolving from, and I've said this before, from the newspapers and televisions, from few, uh, you know, sources of information with an agenda disseminated, you know, from very few uh, places and, and, and just put out to everyone. And we're seeing that flip-flopped where we literally all are able to be part of a conversation. So that change in tech or that change in paradigm is going to take a minute for everybody to figure out the difference, right? And one of my frustrations with the YouTube over the last few years has been, well, last more than a few years has been the we have this potential to change the way that we communicate. However, because we're so accustomed and we have such tradition in the old fashioned ways of disseminating information, people have emulated old fashioned ways. And that's, you know, been comfortable for people who are viewing and, you know, taking the content in, it's familiar to them. So they've, they've moved towards that. But in spite of the comfort and the tradition and the, uh, and you know the the easiness of the old-fashioned ways, uh, because technology keeps changing, we're seeing that change even without people's interest or intent. And things like comments and the awareness of comments and the awareness that if you put something out there, you're going to get a lot of different uh, feedback from it. You know that's all kind of new to us as a culture, as a community, whatever you want to call us. Not just the gun culture, but the country and the world really. We're having to get used to the difference between what we read in the newspaper, like our grandparents read, read stuff in the newspaper and talk about it at work. And that was the extent of the interactivity with knowledge. It would be disseminated and you'd talk about it locally. And I guess, you know, somehow change got affected by enough people getting together and being upset about something and communicating with each other in old fashioned ways. As we have, as those barriers are removed, you know, we're gonna, as a bunch of people are gonna have to adjust to that potential and that ability and everything. And why wouldn't we? I mean, we seem to be handling that very well, uh, considering, you know, it could be if we were really at the core bad people and we hated each other, all this ability to communicate would make it really bad out there. What we've got is some dumb kids who can get onto most platforms anonymously and with multiple accounts and one or two bad seeds or one or two idiots or one, one or two just delinquent kids that want to play around and you know, it's always fun when you're a little kid and you figure out you can break glass and it you know causes commotion and for a little while you know you have to you do that to get it out of your system or whatever and then you grow and you mature and you quit doing that you know the same kind of things happen culturally right so i think that as we get used to that and it becomes people are more accustomed to it more e able to ignore and to absorb and to incorporate uh content coming or ideas coming from individuals instead of this the old-fashioned ways uh, I think that's where we've got a lot of potential. So when you talk about, when Rob said uh, the second comment there, as far as, um, where's it go? Things don't get done when people hit, or things get done when people hit the streets. I agree 100%, and we definitely want to see more of that. But I don't agree with the not posting the same old stuff, because I really think that people posting, even if it is repetitive, is what gets us away from the old-fashioned paradigms. So I think I agree with you for the most part that we've got a lot of potential and we do need to see things change. But I think that we are going to see that as people get more and more accustomed to comments, we're going to be easier to, to filter out the, the little kids being jerks and to focus on the real conversations. And, and just, I mean, in our own conversations this year, uh, I've noticed that we're all at a whole different level, just us are at a different level. And we've got to be an indication of a larger group of people, right? So as people mature and get used to this and 
get accustomed to all the different tech, the conversation will change. And I think that, again, we're all, I know that we're all good people, not just us, but everybody in this country is good people down below or inside. And as we all get more accustomed to this type of communication and stuff, I think that it's going to, a lot, it's, the potential is there to allow for a lot less uh, deception and like uh, ownership of certain things, you know, like, for example, gun rights. Right now, they're able to monopolize a lot of people's knowledge or awareness of guns. And because of that, you know, they keep people ignorant and scared and unaware of what we're doing. It's harder and harder as we share who we really are as gun owners. But there are a lot out there. I don't know if anybody wants to kick in on any of those Rob's points there. Looks like some of us are in the future already. So some of us are still back in 18, and some of you all are in 2019, so we're dealing with that. I my mute on there. I was just talking. Um, no, I had replied to Rob's that, you know, reposting memes alone don't cut it. And what I, what I mean by that um, is a couple things. First of all, we got to be really careful about this whole reposting, and, and this is where you can't be a sheeple, right? You've got to do your own homework, make sure that the that what you're reposting is factual and correct, first of all, and then weigh it. And is this inflammatory? Is this gonna, you know, how, how, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. People are offended a lot of times by the truth and that's totally okay. But you know, is it, is it crossing some kind of line? Is it missing the mark? You know, weigh that a little bit. And, and the uh, one that comes to mind is the whole David Hogg eats a Tide pod thing. It's that's pointless. That's gone. It, it doesn't, it doesn't serve a purpose, right? You're basically name calling somebody. Um, throw out a throw out a, a grand quote from a from a uh, um, from one of the founders or framers, you know, or something like that. And what I'm talking about about doing your homework is, you know, tie this back into what we started out with, which was talking about the bump stock ban. Look at the breakdown on that, and look at the number of people, which I guarantee you. The, uh, a lot of those those people that did this talk about, oh, the sheeple, there's all these people on the left, just sheeple. And you know what they did? And it didn't look good for us. They basically sent in a form letter. They basically copied the GOA or whatever and sent it in. It was not original. It was not original thought. You know, it wasn't. And you could have done that with just one simple sentence that says, I am not for this ban on bump stocks, period. And send it in, and it would have been original. It wouldn't have been a stupid form thing, you know, that they that they picked up on. Um, so, you know, original thought, and you know, when you're when you're doing your memes and and stuff like that, that's cool. But every now and then, throw something out there original, you know, or throw your memes out there and and uh, have some original thought slash data behind it. Yeah, that's a valid point too. Yeah, add to add to it. In other right. words, that as a jump point for a conversation. Yes. Okay, somebody else. Come on. So Night Strike jumped in. I asked originally to get the check rolling. Do you think 2019 is going to be a better year, worse year, or more of the same? Well, it depends on how much effort we put forth. Well, that's a brilliant answer. I agree. You know, if we if we really rally together and stop fighting amongst ourselves because our views differ slightly, then no. But if we rally together and and just you know keep going like we've been going, 
then yeah, we'll make a difference. It all, it all depends on how much effort we actually decide to put forth instead of, you know, again, like Clover said, you know, you can do a form letter for like from the GOA or some of the, one of those other groups or hell, you can spend a minute to write down, I'm opposed to this, don't do this, and click send. I mean, that's better than nothing. Yeah, but my point is it's, that's better than sending in a turnkey whatever form letter that thousands of people sent the same letter in. And so, you know, that could be done by bots. I mean, how lazy is that, right? When you're talking about getting out, let's get out, let's grassroots, let's, let's do this. And the vast majority of people, you know, are on board with that, right? You know, they want to howl at the moon and they want to, you know, don't infringe on my rights and they want to do this and do that. And you can't be bothered to write something original as an answer to the, or uh, as a comment to the ATF. You have to go, you know, be take the lazy route and copy something. You know you don't want the bump stock ban, and you know why you don't want the bump stock ban. Type it out and let it go. Don't be lazy about it. It takes. Well, and I think I, I understand your frustration there. I think that that's a bit of what I was kind of alluding to is that the stuff that the Gun Owners of America or FPC are the two big ones that have the letters built for you. Um, the 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 idea that they're allowing that they're giving people that resource and that people are using it is a step. But I agree with you that it's not the end step and it's not the most effective. Like you just said, the individual letters are the most effective, but we have to get people motivated and then hone them, right? So at least it's... Take the, yeah, take take the links they're giving you and just put your own stuff in it, as a, your own wording into it, as opposed to just hitting send. I mean, it maybe took me five, ten minutes to type a full paragraph whenever we was commenting on the book stocks of my own stuff, you know, what I felt about it and everything. So I don't know why everyone couldn't at least spend five, ten minutes of their time if they don't, if they really cared. But again, we're looking at it from a level of we're in this every day. We talk about it all the time and we care a lot where some people own a shotgun. It's in the closet. So it's expectations, right? We, we want them to be motivated, but we can't have them go from we can't expect them to go from zero to 100. And there's probably people who don't think we're motivated enough, right? We don't do enough. I'm sure I personally don't right. do enough, but, you know. I still try. I probably learn, you know, I'm going to try and do more, you know, this this year. But again, you know, it just uh, we have to, we have to get out there. We have to do something. And if we don't do anything, then yeah, we're going to get stuck with everything in the kitchen sink. So let's get out there and do something. You know, as to what, go ahead. As to what user and Clover are talking about out there about millennials being lost cause and the younger kids and stuff. I think that's where we're going to actually win this battle is with the millennials and with the younger kids. I think there's more millennials than what everybody dreams of that are actually into firearms and stuff due to just growing up with video games about guns, you know, and all that. And you, and it's not, we look at these generations and, and the generation behind the millennials, I think could possibly be, most conservative generation we've had since, you know, I don't know, maybe in a century even. Are you talking the younger kids than millennials? Yeah. Yeah. The, the one right behind what would be considered the millennials, the ones like that my kids' age. Junior high. Gen junior generation high, Z. 
something. Yeah, junior high, high school, maybe right now. Um, because, and here's why. Here's why. And here's why it's kind of going that way for them. It plays into all this we're, we're talking about. It plays into the tech, right? They've got knowledge and, and uh, this wealth of knowledge in the about the world at their fingertips. They can research, look up anything and everything that they want to do. Um, so they're, while they may not necessarily be book smart, A students, whatever the case may be, they do have this these educational materials, let's say, at their disposal, right? So they're smarter as a generation. Well, because they're smarter as a generation, there's all of this leftist agenda stuff, like multiple genders, and that, that makes no sense to them. They're going, wait a minute, <laughs> biology says X, Y, Z. You know, same way with they see the whole Second Amendment argument where, well, we need to take all the guns away. Well, uh, but you saying you're saying Trump is Hitler, right? Yeah. Well, why do we're why are we doing that? That makes no sense. If you think Trump is Hitler, why would you want to take all the guns away? You know, that's contradictory. Leave, leave him and the government the only ones with guns. Yeah, that's right. They had a healthy skepticism. Like you say, they grew up having all information at their fingertips, so they've immediately started to scrutinize and and right. figure out which has a, a, a taint or which has a spin and which is legit, right? And it's going to be tougher to fool them, no? And and we're dealing with an issue with the millennials that the who are the millennials that get that get airtime that get seen? It's the uppity college kiddos, basically. Um, it's the uppity college kiddos that are in clubs. They're not hunkering down and making the grades and going to med school and you know what I'm saying. It's not the kids that it's the kids that are going to college about half ass, and then the rest of the time they're into activism and their clubs and crap. It's party for them. That's the millennials that we see the problems from. Um, I don't think millennials at large are an issue. Um, I think there is a vast majority of millennials that are pro-firearm, pro-freedom, pro-whatever, right? And the plus side on both of those generations is typically as people get older, they become more conservative. So if they're already moving that direction at, at early ages, then that's a good sign that we're headed in the right direction. And nothing happens, you know, we say it over and over, nothing happens overnight. I mean, we've had our rights whittled away as far as the Second Amendment for well over 100 years at this point. So, you know, if it takes another 10 to even get three or four of those rolled back, you know, well, that's, that's an amazing feat, I think, honestly. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. You know, I'm right on the verge of Generation X, millennial time frame. I refuse to call myself a millennial, but I think I, by definition, am. But, you know, my generation and beyond, you know, I don't know anyone in, you know, that's my age that watches TV news. You know, most people get their news from, you know, the Internet and sources like that. I don't know anyone that goes home and sits at home at 5 o'clock to watch the news anymore. So you're able to get your, you know, your news from a better source, maybe. Well, that's why. That's why all your news channels have Twitter feeds and Facebook feeds and everything else now. You know, true. That's how they. That's the. You know, it's just like newspapers and magazines. You know, most of their stuff is digital. It's not. They're not getting getting viewers. I mean, look at, you know, even even something like Fox News. I think rating wise, 
by and large, Fox News is probably the, the bigger, you know, mainstream media. Fox News probably does the best at ratings as far as any of them. But comparatively, compared to entertainment and compared to other things that are on TV and compared to, you know, ratings in the past before there was social media, they're in the toilet. They're absolutely in the toilet. So it's it's all digital. And because of that, they're more desperate than ever to cause or to create the kind of stuff that makes people tune in or that they think is going to make people tune in or that historically has made people tune in. And that's strife and, and clickbait. It sells advertising and advertising is money and that's the bottom line. Yep. Well, all right. So you wrote a bunch of stuff on the side there, Alan, if you want to take a second and bring up some of that, but I'll disagree with you, I think. Well, at least I'll I'll agree with you that that was the paradigm, but I don't believe that that's the paradigm going forward. Well, it may not be going forward, but but it is where we are right now. That's definitely um, what so and so basically what I put in the side chat, you know, for the rest of the folks is there's too much clickbaiting from the mainstream media, from every from every time Dick Harry and Sue that has a blog somewhere or a website. I I, I don't know how many times I see something and I look at it and I and it's easy to see, well, that's not right. And so I, I'll look at what they say in the article and I'll go. And so I like, okay, let me go read the transcript where Joe Blow said that. And it's not even close to accurate. Or let me go read the court case, the Supreme Court case, the, you know, whatever case, not even close to what they said. Okay. And it's, it's, it's clickbaiting. Okay, they're selling advertising. Now, the problem with that, I think, is I don't know what you guys do, and I don't know what the younger generation is going to do. They don't vet that stuff. They see it, and they're like, well, I've, I've seen 10 other people say that, so it must be true, even if it's factually BS. No, uh, no, that's what everybody's saying. So it must be true. They don't. They don't do the research. They don't, you know, look at the court cases. That the, they don't, um, you know, look at transcripts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They just whatever comes out, they go with the flow. Well, and I know we we kind of been harping on sheeple, but that's kind of what they're doing electronically. Now, let me make one other point. Um, where do the younger generation, other than, say, social media, get their information? They Google it. Okay, well, here's the problem with that. I don't use Google a lot for just looking up everything under the sun. I mainly look up technical stuff and shopping. Google is huge on quantity. They honestly suck on quality. And that's a problem. Because a lot of the stuff that shows up there is the same clickbait you see from the media. And it's probably 90% clickbait. Might be 
maybe 15% accurate. And that's a real problem. But I don't think it's a problem that's hidden or that uh, people are unaware of behind a veil or anything. So as we go forward, I can't imagine Google's going to be able to hold a position as they are, you know, they have been able to once people are more critical and demand actual results. Uh, other engines will come up that will find them or will go beyond engines. Engines aren't going to last forever. There'll be other things as the Internet evolves. But I'm not talking about just Google. I'm talking about the whole digital information space. Google was just, if you will, one of the biggest examples. Okay, but everybody's doing it. Well, but there's also, you know, they can't, they can't filter everything. And I think that's the, that's where the rub comes into play, so to speak, because, okay, they may can filter the top five search results, but, you know, with the skepticism that is sort of seems to be bred, especially in whatever Gen Z, the one behind the millennials, um, you know, they're going to look for, you know, they're, they're, they're skeptic. They have skepticism on those first five. So they're going to dig deeper to what, I guess, validate their confirmation bias or something, I guess is the way you would word that. I, I, I can agree with that. My youngest son is 22 and he is extremely skeptical. I kind of raised him that way, but, but. Well, so, that's good to hear. But imagine we're, we grew up where and I grew up when telephones were attached to the wall and there were no remote controls on TVs. And now we live where we got now. So imagine growing up, you know, an 18 year old, doesn't know what life is like without a cell phone with a smartphone tech and the internet available to them at high speed. So they, they, they deal with a different amount of information and they're going to be critical in a whole way that I don't know if we can understand. Or am I crazy? Right. Oh, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think they're looking at it different. I think for us to look and go, well, you know, we're screwed because Google is, you know, censoring the searches, you know, well, they're not able to do it completely because if they did that, that would be, a smoking gun that would be a problem i mean look at many times they've been subpoenaed by congress and this that and the other um so they've got to do it fairly slyly so there's going to be um you know alternate points of view and you know alternate stories and alternate articles and other things that are going to show up and i think that you know for us we may go in and we may go oh look at this bullcrap the first five searches you know are left-leaning you know, well, we're not used to the overwhelming amount of information necessarily at our fingertips where the younger generations are. And so they realize that five, five posts, you know, five, to them, five posts left leaning don't mean nothing because they know there's millions of posts. If they search this page or search that page or search it this way or search it that way, or, hey, I can go here and this links to this, you know, they know all of the, the inner workings and the the vast amount of web, you know, that the World Wide Web is made up of. Well, and and I'm not really harping on Google so much. I think really they're they're a, a victim themselves of the clickbait mentality, because if you think back a few years, it was all about all about ranking. You know, and, and how do you get ranked? Well, 
So you can do all that, right? And it's really not that difficult. Or you can pay somebody to do it. A lot of people pay somebody to do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. But but the issue is that happens whether your information is inaccurate, patently false, or deliberately false. It doesn't matter. It's out there. Right. And and, and that's you know that's one of the things we're up against. I think. Well, again, I think that's what we're trying to say, though, that there's this overwhelming amount of stuff. We look at it as like, wow, that's an overwhelming amount of stuff. Somebody who existed in that amount of stuff says, oh, this is how you sift through it. And they move on to the next thing. They don't get overwhelmed is in the same way. I don't, no, know I don't remember who commented that was talking about the younger generation they knew. Are they more more savvy about that kind of thing than we think they are, or maybe that I think they are. I, I, I think it comes down to like anything else in life, the individual. Um, my, my son is, is he will do his homework and uh, uh, at least do enough research to, to get some answers to his questions. Uh, I've met, uh, I, I work at a university and I've met other <clears throat> youngsters uh, even as as down as low as fre incoming freshmen that seem to be the same way, but then you still have those people who, uh, let's face it, they don't give a dang. They're gonna they're gonna do what they're gonna do, and they don't care about the rest of the world. Hmm. Well, that's a whole other topic. Whether or not yeah, they're part of it. I, I certainly hope that they feel like they're part of it well I, I think where i was going with all that is when you're listen, listening to what the anti-two heirs are are saying you're going to hear a lot of inaccuracies a lot of that's going to be based on digital media that, that is either mis deliberate misinformation or ignorance or whatever and we need to be able to address those. Everybody has the same facts. Okay, well, here's a point that, that that's going around digital media. Well, here's here's the facts. Here's why it's wrong. You know, here's the court case. Here's the current transcript from the interview or whatever. You know. Now I don't know if they care if 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 they see it in black and white. Maybe it just fits their agenda and screw the rest of you guys. I don't know. I'm gonna play host and just change it because we're kind of shaking our fists a little bit at something that we don't have immediate control over. And this is 2019, and we have immediate control over our actions and what we want to do in 2019 as far as plans and, and goals. And uh, uh, Rob had another point over here I wanted to hit before we, or maybe use this to, to pivot a bit. Um, trying to scroll back up, lots of conversation tonight. Uh, Rob's saying, actions mean something, not talk. And I agree with you 100%. In fact, I'm doing a bit of effort to help highlight some of the people who are putting boots on the ground. And uh, every time I talk to people that are actually living it instead of just talking about it, uh, I get more and more inspired and more optimistic. I'm already optimistic, but I'm super impressed with the amount of on the ground uh, effort that is being taken place. Uh, 
and I'm thinking like uh, Maj and Tony and Kevin and uh, people up in Minnesota, uh, others that are, uh, you know, doing workshops or bringing people into the firearms community, uh, introducing them in different ways that are appropriate for whatever their life is. And, uh, and that's awesome work. I mean, it can't be uh, talked about enough. It can't be supported enough. I really think we have enough resources out here financially and uh, other strategic resources that we can we can back these things easily, you know, especially when we compare them to the millions and millions and millions of dollars that are being raised by the large organizations that are pro-gun. Uh, so I think that action, I agree with you, is 100% important and it's critical and it will change the future. However, we can't just all run around constantly. We have to talk in order to get on point and to understand, you know, strategy and what goals are. So I don't want to dismiss the conversations like this, which can easily be called uh, preaching to the choir or whatever. Uh, I'm going to quote Chris, Chris Knox from the 2017 Gun Rights Policy Conference, uh, the two-way media thing we had there. He said he sings in a choir and you do practice as a choir so that when you're called upon to actually sing, you know, for a performance, you're all on, on key, you're all in tune. And y'all understand each other, or you're, you know you know how to to communicate together and work as a group. So this preaching to the choir might seem frustrating because it doesn't have immediate result, but it's critical. And I don't I don't want to dismiss the efforts that people put into the conversation, especially now on the internet. Sure, we've got 30 people watching. We've got 10 people, I guess, in the room right now, and who knows how many people might watch this in the future. And it doesn't matter the numbers, it's just who those people might be. If right. someone finds an interesting piece or something that means something to them in, in a conversation like this or any of the other thousands of conversations that happen like this on platforms that are made public, that can be shared. And even if a million people don't see it, if two important people, you know, two people that it does something and they, they motivate, it's, a, it's, it's working towards our ultimate goals. Is, um, it, is it not as much who, but when? when they see it at a given time. Perhaps, you know, it, yeah. this is definitely being laid down as an accumulation of knowledge on the internet. So from today on, this is available for anybody who might wanna take a piece from it or any other of the conversations that have happened. Can you imagine how many conversations happened in 2018 alone about things like this? So it's an overwhelming amount of information, but we have a lot of people out there. And I think as we all see that we don't need to have information disseminated to us. We don't have to suckle at the teat of any uh, information source. Uh, we'll be able to better incorporate, and we'll learn from the kids who we've been saying, you know, our, our future. We're going to learn from them how to uh, deal with an overwhelming amount, or what seems to us like an overwhelming amount of information, and not rely on Al Gore's rhythms to figure it all out. I've um, I've got a question for Cycle Camp. Is he still here? Yes. Didn't know if he fell asleep or not. He's been quiet over there. He might be drinking though. That's true. Yes. Um <laughs> G Webs was we were talking about boots as grassroots and boots on the ground. And one thing I've I've always admired about you is is going you going to the Capitol and doing your testimony and doing all that. What I'm curious about is a question I've never asked and, and with talking about the number of boots on the ground and stuff like that, I'm curious. Do you have any idea in your state how many people are doing the same thing that you're doing on your level? Is it a bunch of people or just a few or? 
Well, the 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 big organization in my local state is is Connecticut uh, Citizens Defense League, and they're up to around thirty one thousand members. They're the ones that put together the million dollars it took for us to fight the twenty thirteen bill, all the way up to but not including the Supreme Court. So I would say there's probably a good 40, 50 people at least who are very, very active in, uh, in what's going on. You know, like anything else, you know, you take the square root of the size of the organization. That's how many active people there are. Yeah. But again, that, that is another, I haven't been saying much because I don't have a lot of positive stuff to consider, con to contribute to the conversation. Well, I guess what I was getting at is, and I figured that those numbers probably were low because there's a lot of apathy out there. There's a lot of people make a lot of excuses for a lot of things. When we had the 2A rally, it was, oh, I've got to go hunting this weekend. And it's every excuse under the sun not to drive to Austin. Um, but, you know, do you think it would it would make a difference if, you know, you're talking 40,000, 50,000. So you're talking about even if you could get that to, say, 10%, right, of that state organization or whatever's membership. And it's about it's about that here in Texas, too. Uh, it's, it's, well, I'll say that it's more than that. We're probably pushing, you know, a hundred thousand or something, which is crappy for Texas. And that says a lot, but, um, but you know, if you had, let's say 5,000 people showing up for testimony, would that make any type of difference? Do you think? Well, I, I don't think they'd fit in the room and, and, uh, well, maybe not all at once, yes, but yes, they'd be aware that there's that much motivation. And I mean, we, I mean, you know, we have done our rallies at the Capitol and that kind of stuff, and we have had literally thousands of people there. And, uh, the bottom line is we're heavily outnumbered in the state and that's the bottom line. And, and the representatives do what they think their local constituents want them to do. And since the majority of Connecticut is, leftist leaning uh it is very difficult to make a lot of headway on that stuff and and it's it's just the sure numbers it doesn't have to do with how hard we fight or how passionate we are or or which radio shows we go on or that kind of stuff the bottom line is we're outnumbered about three to one and and you just can't get over the sheer numbers you just can't Mic drop. I don't know if Coco was going to respond to that. I don't know. I just, you know, when, the reason I asked that is I, you know, I figured, like I said, I figured it was a fairly low number. I didn't have a number in mind, but I know that with here in Texas, I mean, it kind of works the same way. And you got to think if they're accepted testimony and thousands of people showed up ready to give testimony, that, you know, you would think that would create a perception of sorts that potentially could lead to some politicians thinking twice. Right. But, but, but for every person we drag in, they drag in three. Okay. So, gotcha. so what are you, you going to do? I mean, well, at some that, point, it got to the point where, believe it or not, when our, when our judiciary committee has meetings, they refuse to let people wear t-shirts or buttons. Now wow. you cannot wear anything that identifies you as a member of a group because of the effect that has on the people on the other side of the panel, when they see an ocean of orange t-shirts or an ocean of blue t-shirts, they, they don't want that. 
they, they don't want that stuff anymore. They just want, we want you guys here as individuals. We don't want you representing power blocks and stuff like that. So the, the, the people that make the rules about the meetings actually do stuff that causes us not to be able to do a show of force yeah. or, or, or a, a show of our dominance in, in the, in the, uh, in the, what do you call it? We used to give out t-shirts to people who were supporting our point of view going to these hearings and we had to stop doing it because they told us we couldn't wear them. Right. Wow. But what we're doing now is the smart stuff. What we're doing now is we're raising money on the side and we're, we're just suing the shit out of people. We, we're just, you know, all the latest set of laws, you know, the, especially the one that has made me now a felon. Um, you know, we're just, People are getting picked up and they're going right to their, there's a half a dozen attorneys in, in Connecticut that love this kind of stuff. They, they're, they're firearms rights attorneys and that's their bread and butter. And uh, that's what we're doing now. We're just suing people because that seems to get a better result. And, and that's why I'm hoping with the Supreme Court that, that uh, the changes will make a difference. Keep in mind, in a true democracy, we are screwed. Because in the true democracy, the mass is always right. So as long as there's one more person than the number of people in your group that doesn't like what you're doing, you're hosed in a democracy. That's why we don't live in a democracy. That's why we live in a representative republic where your rights are supposed to be protected. Well, who protects those rights? The courts protect those rights. And when the courts don't do their job, you are hosed. Mm -hmm. Right. Or That's why I'm so glad about... Gorsuch and and uh, and Kevin. Kavanaugh and yeah. the soon to be replacement for Ginsburg. Right, right, and it all begins with the politicians that don't, you know. But but then again, you know, I say it it begins with the politicians that are not out for, you know, to you know hold up their oath, right? Um, and and do the will of the people. But it's also it also comes down to an extent back into awareness and this is what you know mike with munitions weapons actual uh, he's really big in the whole get out the vote and you know all this other stuff and i really admire that too because you know that's a societal change that you know we've got to people will go and vote and they'll just check boxes literally i know people that do that they literally it's like you know the remedial ed kid taking a advanced chemistry test maybe he's just a c b c d D, C, B, you know, um, I know people that vote that way almost. Um, and it's, it's sad. I mean, learn, you know, you can get sample ballots, you know, for, for Pete's sake, get your, get your sample ballot. That way you know who's on it. Um, you know, run up some, run up some Google search, pull up their page, pull up, uh, you know, a couple of other places because, you know, obviously politicians can and do lie. So, you know, take uh, what they're putting out and then and then find some contradicting stories and, and figure out who is is best suits your goals as far as voting. Let me break in and say it just turned midnight in the central time zone. So happy new year to all them people. Yeah, happy new year. So uh, that was uh, the break there. I want to take a break and play host for a second and jump over to guy, a guy named Rob Morris who does the Polite Society podcast and a blog and some other stuff. And he posted this 
uh, the other day, and I thought it was pretty cool. So I'm going to take a second. It's the new year for a lot of y'all. So look back at 2018 for just a moment. In January, a three-judge panel of the Ninth Circuit Court said California's law confiscating standard capacity magazines is unconstitutional. Also in January, three Democrat congressmen asked a general accounting office to try and buy guns illegally. They wanted to see if guns were available on the internet. The researchers in the general accounting office were scammed several times, but were unsuccessful in their attempts to illegally buy a gun online. Um, we were told that guns, this is also in January, we were told that gun sales crashed after President Trump was elected and that the gun culture is dying. When you dig into the data, you see that 40% of the gun sales were to first time buyers. He jumps to February. The Illinois Supreme Court struck down the state's thousand foot gun free zone around public parks. Unanimous decision said the laws interfere with in, in innocent behavior and the right of self-defense. Also in February, the Ohio Supreme Court said that Cleveland is not special. The city can neither ban guns nor register them, and it gets to pay the court costs and the attorney's fees for trying to do so. That was in February. In March, of course, we had uh, the situation in Florida, and uh, NRA membership jumped from that. Take it or leave it. April, um, research showed that licensed carry uh, concealed carry holders are among the most law-abiding and non-violent group on the planet. Uh, in May, um, a middle school teacher in Indiana tackled an, a student and stopped a mass murder. Uh, a Gallup poll asked teachers if they wanted to be armed at school if they were in an approved safety program. School staff were three times as likely to say yes when compared to the average rate of concealed carry across the USA. So in other words, teachers were three times more interested in carrying than a typical person. Uh, he also puts in May here, crime dropped by a third in Dallas during the NRA convention. Um, unreleased data collected by the Federal Center for Disease Control and Prevention from last century showed that as many as 1% of us use a firearm in self-defense each year. Ordinary citizens who happen to be carrying a concealed stop to high-profile murders in Oklahoma City and in Washington State. In July, the U.S. State Department settled their court case with defense distributed uh, online plans for firearms are considered free speech. Also, the State Department said that semi-automatic or bolt-action firearms under 50 caliber are not weapons of war. Um, he also notes in July, another year of camp campus carry ended and the summer recess began and no one noticed. August, the Fifth Court of Appeals confirmed uh, earlier decision that campus carry in Texas did not deny two professors their right to speech. Uh, the state of Louisiana rejected Bank of America and Citigroup when the state sought short-term construction loans. The reason given was the bank's previous abuse of gun owners and firearms manufacturers. Uh, also in August, the number of concealed carry permits rose to 17.2 million. Uh, September, uh, National Public Radio looked at a report on school violence. The report came from the U.S. Department of Education. NPR found that 70% of the school shootings reported by the Department of Education didn't happen. Um, let's see, it says uh, U.S. Attorney General's Office persecuted a fifth more cases for firearms violations. Uh, it says elections matter. In October, uh, Brett Kavanaugh succeeded Justice Anthony Kennedy on the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, Trump has appointed 85 judges, he says. Uh, Amoland Shooting sports news, I don't care. Uh, the State Court of Appeals decided that constitutional carry is the law in Arkansas. In November, the first school board in Pennsylvania voted to allow some trained staff to be armed. Uh, 
Earfire Payments joined Macmillan Merchant Solutions to process credit card transactions for gun stores. So two people came online in November to help gun stores where they're being persecuted by banks. Uh, he also points in November, concealed carry permits in Washington, D.C. increased 14-fold in the first year of shall issue. Uh, and then in December, the State House and Senate improved gun laws and overrode Ohio Governor Kasich's veto. The new law reinforced state preemption. It also shifted the burden of proof in self-defense cases to the prosecutor. You are innocent until proven guilty, even in Ohio. Also in December, epidemiologist says that mandatory background checks and firearms purchase prohibitions for minor crimes didn't reduce, reduce homicide or suicide. Gun control is a placebo. The American College of Surgeons said that issuing concealed carry licenses or recognizing concealed carry does not lead to increased violent crime. Gun control is neither safe nor effective. And a preliminary report on the murders in Florida said that the school staff should be armed. So uh, for those people that would like to suggest that we're taking a beating, uh, let's not ignore the facts. Amen. I've said it bunches of times that, you know, we, we get so inundated with the latest, you know, obstacle, the latest big, huge hill, right. That, that needs to be climbed or, or whatever, um, that a lot of times we don't actually look at, at what kind of movement has actually been going on. And we tend to we tend to focus. A lot of people tend to focus more on, well, we've never, you know, we've never rolled back or we've never passed pro-gun legislation, and they don't maybe don't look at the flurry of anti-gun legislation that's gotten shot down. You know, sometimes, you know, if you can shoot down eight bills and you're you're sacrificing one program to shoot down eight anti-gun, that's better than, you know, not not paying that attention to the eight anti-gun, passing that one pro-gun, and then letting three anti-guns slip through. Well, I know I interrupted what you guys were saying there, but it was the top of the hour or whatever, and I've been wanting to put that out. I didn't want to spend the whole day talking about last year, but again, we didn't have all losses. All right, now we got a full panel. This is uh, ridiculous. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to read some of the chat here, but so let's talk about changing the future. Um, I've been thinking about this, and I'm trying to figure out how to do a video on it. Um, I've been posting stuff about Shot Show since it's coming up in our third, 14th year of Shot Show, and uh, you know I get frustrated. I've been seeing the same things happen over and over. And to some extent, who cares? You know, the stupid 12 gauge shotguns that look like AR-15s. This has got to be the sixth or eighth version of them, and everybody doesn't remember because they only last a few months, and then in a couple of years, people are going to be amazed by the new, the new one. So there's insignificant things like that that are trends or cycles that you know I, I'm aware of, but I don't care about. But some of the things where we are getting frustrated at, at situations or uh, there's a lack of effort in a in an area, um, you know, I I, I want to see pro progress there. I want to see us be aware of our past so that we can uh, move forward instead of repeating things. So um, I want to talk about you know change in the future. What can we do effectively? We've had the two-way rallies. Matt did a couple of those, uh, or Matt initiated uh, quite a few of those. Uh, he had some successes and some issues. Um, I'm hoping that we can continue to do stuff like that. Uh, I mentioned it before that after talking, or you know, 
in a result of talking to people who are in the states that are the most infringed, uh, it's become a more and more apparent that by themselves, they're not able to affect the change that they'd like as quickly or as efficiently as they'd like to. Uh, so there's got to be potential for us to, uh, you know, 360 million other people in the country or whatever it might be, you know, a state like Connecticut or New Jersey should be easy. Should I mean, technically on paper, it should be simple for all of us to put political and, and financial pressure on a state that's infringing on its, in its uh, uh, citizens when the resistance, I suspect, as we all know, or we all suspect, I think, isn't grassroots. It's just unaware or uncaring and then influenced by some sort of message. So, uh, you know, with, with anyway, so what can we do if we want to think about how to change things in 2019? I, I've got something a little bit. My so, just something with my my daughter over the last few months. Um, and it's, it's something that I, I think is kind of a positive thing. Um, I had brought up that our local school district had missed some historical events, some, you know, big things like Veterans Day, didn't say a word about it, didn't say anything about Armistice Day, anything that was critical to America. I mean, they, they talked about World Kindness Day and whatever. Anyways, the, the thing that I I kind of came up with was I brought it up with her first and then she's kind of passed it on to um, her friends is that going to school and you know listening to the teachers is what she's supposed to do but they don't tell you the whole story i mean this is kind of goes back with that media and and how they're savvy and, and can be savvy with technology and stuff and basically i I would mention things before school, you know, like a week before, just kind of give her a primer. Hey, this is coming up kind of thing, just in passing. And then she found out that, whoa, that my, my teachers, you know, they're supposed to know everything. They're supposed to be telling me everything. And they skip these things that are important. You know, there's reasons that we need to know our history and et cetera. So it, it was nice that she kind of passed that on to some of her friends and they're noticing that just because things are set at school doesn't mean it's the full story and to you know to investigate because most people are lazy they're not going to investigate but if you know you can get your kids or you know anybody that's younger or your same age whatever uh, to to actually look into something and notice that hey you know every time they say something about this it's it's seems kind of odd you know if it doesn't feel right it usually isn't so that was just something that I noticed the last month or so. And so hopefully I'm, I'm going to try to, you know, push that forward because obviously kids and learning, you know, about firearms and everything else is going to make them, you know, more astute to, you know, people that are trying to push something that's might not be genuous. Is that good? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree. Too. Oh, okay. I don't have a kid, so I can't. No, no. That lead, but I think that's necessary. And you know, I mean, we, we like I have, you know, uh, uh, brothers, sisters, whatever, you know, and there's kids and, you know, there's we have influence, even if we don't have kids. I mean, obviously, you can't step over a line and, you know, 
go too much but if you know even even with like the the veterans day and stuff you know i mean that that's not necessarily firearms but it's you know about america and there's reasons that kind of spring off of that and so if you you know even if you don't have kids if you go out and you put the attention to maybe you know put a flag up do something respectful that's you know a, a kid just walking by would be like you know maybe might ask a question yeah, I mean, it's all starts somewhere. It's just like that kernel thing. You know, if you get a little kernel from something that might not be exactly what they were talking about, but if you can take that and make it into something else, uh, maybe that can be a positive uh, thing. Yeah, I, th I think that's one thing we all need to, to remember is even if we don't think we do, we all have influence on somebody at some time. And we just have to... to kind of going harken back to our earlier conversation do it respectfully give the information but but you have to realize that you do have influence over some someone at some at any given point in time oh i do have kids also you know around patriots daughter's age and stuff and you know he makes a lot of good points there with that I think sometimes we miss that, you know, we, we, we get into this hard shell that everybody out there is, is doing bad things. And, you know, we kind of tuck our head and push through it. And, you know, there's a lot of little things that we can do that, you know, that I know I, I came in after the, the talk about the emails and the GOA and stuff. Um, I have, I brought that up about, you know, bookmarking it and using it as a tool, you know, to send out your own, information you know you you can see who it's who those emails are sent to and if you kind of bookmark that and anything that comes up anytime you want to do it it's just a quick you know process you know to get your information i mean i wouldn't necessarily do the you know the form letters or any of that stuff but for that one lazy guy that doesn't do anything at least that's something but you gotta keep Oh, and Happy New Year. <laughs> what about the two-day rallies? Effective tool? Waste of time? Should we have them every week, every month, quarterly, one? I would definitely go. If we had one with good attendance like we did last year, I think it'd be well worth it. I personally think people that uh, open carry on the second have a much bigger impact than I think of a thousand people individually carried their firearms openly on on uh on the on the second you know for every second matters would have a much greater impact than uh, a thousand people getting together at the uh at the capitol i mean our news media first of all if we have a thousand they say we have a hundred and and it, it just you're totally the whole purpose of that is is publicity and public view and the media is so biased against us, it's very difficult to get a fair shake. But when you're walking around at Walmart with your gun strapped, uh, 
uh, people that see it knows it. That's it. That's if you're in a state where you can carry open. Right. No, that's that's true. That's true. I think I think rallies doing doing rallies at least once a year is probably in in your state is probably a very good idea. But my criticism on that was, I don't think we should just have a rally, you know, a state rally once a year. I think we should try and push for a state a state rally in your own state every year, but as well as doing some some sort of uh, a concentrated effort to doing one nationally as well because i don't think we're getting enough uh exposure doing it just in our states i think we would get more exposure and, and getting more people to think huh we really should think about this if we did something nationally at least once a year if you could do a coordinated effort to where they were different with multiple local rallies all on the same date that would do a lot that would is that what you're talking about? Just coordinated? Coordinated one, but again, also I really do think that we do need to have a coordinated effort at the cap at the at the at the nation capital. Let me ask you, do you know how many coordinated two A rallies happened in two thousand eighteen at the United States Capitol? No, I don't. That's at the least two that I know of. The the women, the fifth one woman from each state for two A. And they had time with the legislators, and then it was the 10th anniversary of Heller. Both of those were fairly publicized national level uh, meetings at the Capitol, or maybe Heller was at the Supreme Court, you know, in DC. Yeah, I, I agree with the cycle about the every second matters too, because if we can pull in, you know, the local gun shops, I mean, I mean, I know that's that's kind of the process that would be nice is you know to get get them to bring it in and maybe, you know, possibly do some kind of, you know, just an awareness program, even if they just put up, you know, flyers about it so that, you know, because usually if you see one person, that usually means there's more than one, you know, that that's kind of the idea. I've, I've heard that before where, you know, if a representative hears from one person, that means usually there's, there's a small block of them. So if they hear from, you know, four or five that, you know, multiplies, you know, how many people are actually doing it and, you know, having it spread out across the state instead of, you know, there's some states that the capital is in one little corner, you know, and it, it sure you get, you know, the, the scene and all that stuff, but that kind of re relates back to that media, you know, and what they want to actually put out there. And I don't think it's really that, you know, putting it out to the media. I think that every second matters walking around in, in you know, I don't open carry just because obviously my reasons, but you know, the, the shirts, the whatever, you know, to, to start the conversation and have people see it, you know, cause I mean, how many times have you wore the, a shirt and had them, you know, somebody stop and ask you about it or a patch or something. So I know that's, I mean, we, we've already. Yeah. I mean, I have high, a CCDL button on every jacket I own. Mm -hmm. If I'm, if I'm walking around in public, I'm wearing a CCDL button. And now, does that get questions? Do people ask you about it? Uh, very rarely. But, but I do know, I notice people noticing it, if you know what I mean. No, I know exactly what you mean. That's what I was going to say. Even if they don't say it, I see Arizona Citizens Defense League stickers, Arizona Citizens Defense League stickers on vehicles. I don't have to pull over and acknowledge them. 
but I certainly know that there's another person out there. And for me, that's a bit of encouragement to say, oh, there's somebody else who's waving their flag with the colors I, out. I never even thought of that. I mean, the local, your local groups, I mean, stickers and stuff. I, obviously, I'm not a visual person, but I'm sure that, you know, your local place has, you know, shirts or a hat or a button. That definitely, I mean, especially in your local area. I mean, if it has, you know, the shape of your state and in something on there, you know, it's going to catch people's eyes. I mean, not all people are complacent. And that's the thing when you on on, on every second matters. Have you noticed people noticing? My notice their reactions. I'm not a big proponent of ever open carrying but i have before on the second just because of what it is because i'm pretty anti-open carriers for my own reasons but at the same time i've done it before just because of the ever second matter saying and really people don't even notice you i mean to me they don't i mean maybe they notice it you know but where i live it's not that uncommon to see it maybe i don't know but i've really never noticed anybody even so perceptions aren't something that you, you can't expect results every time you do something. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's attrition, right? So there's there's validation and there's awareness. So you, you like I was saying, um, when I see the stickers or whatever, I don't feel like I need to get out and let them know that I saw their sticker. It's just, you know, I know that it's out there and wherever that person's driving, somebody's seeing it and perhaps they pay attention to it or they see it in the future or something. But every second matters for me. I haven't... I mean, it just doesn't work out that on the second I happen to be walking around. I don't, you know, work out of the house, so I'm most of the time, uh, you know, I just don't always get out on the second. However, I've got every second matter stuff all around, so I've been asked about it just because of the way that the thing is designed, you know, to not be necessarily obvious. So I get questions, you know, besides on the second throughout the month or whatever. And the other thing about seeing the stickers like that, I mean, that you don't have to you know acknowledge it or whatever but it you know gives you that little bump you know that little bit of motivation you know in in what you're doing because you know it's you can acknowledge it yourself but you know it, it makes you motivated that somebody else is actually doing something as well exactly so let me get back to cycles by uh, talking about the the rally and the lack of and then let's say you had a thousand people show up and they reported as a hundred the thousand people that showed up are what matter. And I mean, our end result is we want to get rid of the NFA, but we don't expect that the first time we meet, we meet up at the state capitol, the NFA is going to get burned. You know, we expect that we need to, I mean, we're starting at almost zero here. We're starting as a bunch of individuals who are, you know, looking to uh, show our resolve and our opinion on this situation. And, you know, anything, anything that we do, we need practice with. So, I'm hoping that, you know, there's good people out there that are motivated to try to do these on a more regular basis so that we get the the little stuff down. Like, where do we actually meet? We learned a lot doing Matt's 2A rally. Was it last year? Or was it in 2017? Um, whenever we first did that first one at Phoenix, we had to first figure out where the Capitol was. Nobody goes to the Capitol for nothing. We had to figure out where it was, where we could park, where we could hang out and not get, you know, kicked out for doing something where we needed to have a permit or something. Um and, you know, just figuring out how to communicate with each other and getting there. And that was the same in every single state. And there was, you know, successes and more people showed up and less people showed up. But the people that showed up all learned stuff. And now if we do never again, who cares? Then we didn't learn anything or we didn't learn anything that's useful. But if we can apply that, 
and do it on a, some sort of a regular basis or at least more often, uh, then when we really need it, when something horrible happens, imagine if we'd been all exercising that possibility, going out and doing two-way rallies just for the sake of two-way rallies. It's the second, we get together on the second and we have a rally. We get together, we coordinate, we network, and we collaborate. And then the bump stop things happens. And instead of a bunch of letters, all of a sudden there's four times the amount of people because there's already an established two-way rally. It just would have been a different situation. So I'm not saying we need to build to that, to like every time there's a slight against us, we rally together and show our, our force. But we're never going to get to the point where if we really need it. We've got that resource until we develop it. And you don't need every single person to show up every time. If the core 10 people show up every month and figure it out when it's necessary, that core brings 10,000 people in efficiently. I think you're on the right track. I think you're definitely on the right track. And what what we need to do is we need to bring outside people in. It, it's I, I, and I understand getting the troops rallied and when and when we need them, they're there. The people that already understand how to to go out and, and get their voices heard. But we need those core 10 people to turn into 12 people. And then we need the core to turn into 15. And then we need it to, to turn to 20 and to draw more people in slowly but surely. That's when we're going to get somewhere. How do we get new people and you know, how do we get them to tune into our wavelength of what we're what we're about? Because we obviously think we're right. You know, I, I think we're right. You think we're right. So, how do we get people? The ones that are that are just far left, you're not going to get them. That's that's not going to happen. How do we influence the ones in the middle that don't really know which way they're going, and we kind of show them? How do we do that? So I'm going to take a second here because I think that's a valid. Point. And that's it's a question that's tough, right? But I'm going to shed a little insight to it for people that have been following my stuff for a while. I don't know how many people out here have been following my crap on YouTube since the beginning. But when I started um, the whole thing, the internet and everything, it was to share what I was able to do out here in Arizona with my friends back on the other side of the Mississippi who didn't have the land or the freedom or the ability. Plus, we were all younger. They didn't own stuff. You know, they didn't possess stuff. So we were able to go hunting and fishing and stuff, and I was sharing that with them. And then uh, it progressed into doing some clients and stuff and then building some websites to help the clients. And eventually YouTube came around and I, I kind of transitioned from doing the website stuff to playing online. And in that, I didn't have a focus of like, oh, I'm going to be a two-way guy one day. You know, I just was doing my thing and exploring the internet and having some fun and really not having a heck of a lot of direction in it. And I started to, to review stuff, right? And I started to review just stuff I owned or stuff that was at the gun shop and stuff that I think somebody might not have experienced yet maybe something full auto or like a pkm or something that people don't necessarily get to hold every weekend and uh then that went to visiting shot show you know so we're gonna be talking about shot show uh visited shot show for the first time in 2005 it was a little different then we had digital cameras but not very many people were taking pictures of shot show there was a real concern that pictures uh done incorrectly would uh out undercover officers or team members of military units or potentially somebody who's taken the weekend off because they're sick and they were actually at SHOT Show. So they didn't want pictures at SHOT Show. They definitely didn't want pictures of stuff because they were concerned that, oh, airsofters or somebody was going to steal it for, you know, some sort of specs, you know, to get all the details of a gun and have an airsoft model out, you know, for, uh, forged before an actual uh, good one could cut up, you know, what do you call it? An actual, um, what do they call that when you actually have a name brand Glock airsoft or whatever? 
But anyway, so they didn't want pictures of stuff taken. So, you know, that was a challenge. You tell me I can't take pictures, I'm in, and I have the authorization to take pictures, that's a challenge for us. We, we dug that challenge, and we enjoyed uh, taking uh, pictures of Chacho Show and being able to share them with people on forums. This was way before YouTube. And uh, we did that for a while. And then after going to SHOT Show and, and establishing that we were in the industry and going to NRA shows and stuff and traveling around the country when SHOT Show used to go back and forth to Florida, uh, we were able, you know, when you're in Vegas one year and you're in Florida the next year and then you're in Charlotte, North Carolina, and then you're in Phoenix, and the same people are at the booths and you're reviewing their stuff, like they get to figure out that you're in the industry and you're there for, you know, you're there. And so then they open themselves up to you and you can get a lot of stuff done. So we... Uh, started to uh, uh, cover more because the people were figuring out what the internet was and that we weren't adversaries, that we were trying to promote their stuff, and we were free. We weren't charging them nothing because it was all brand new. Anyhow, I'm explaining all that because in the process, a lot of people came along and said, well, this guy sucks at it. You know I suck at it. I don't put any attention into, pr into uh, production. I never did. I never spent a lot of money on cameras. In fact, we intentionally kept our tech low so that we could do quantity instead of quality. And because of that, people came along and said, well, we can do this way better than they're doing it. And they have. And the and the I, I will tell you that the the coverage of SHOT Show changed. And it changed in 2009 and 2010 when we started taking cameras to SHOT Show. When we started in 2005, we weren't the only ones taking pictures, but we were the only ones taking pictures for the members of forums. There were people taking pictures, but they were four military units or four specific small forums that were you know highly difficult to get into as far as just going to a forum and saying hey what do you need pictures of there was very few people with the ability or the uh intent to go to shot show and provide that so we offered that and then we changed the, the coverage of shot show and people say i'm bragging but i'm not i fucking lived it and I know what it's like to go up to a booth and plead to take pictures and try to explain to them what we're trying to do with this internet. And then fast forward six years later, and there's a ton of people that are doing it and they're doing it better than us. So you can do something half-ass and instigate others who want to just follow, who can't do the stuff first, who don't have the inclination or the insight or whatever to do something first. And they'll come along and go, oh, this is easy to do it better than you've already done it. And then they'll do it better. So. You might make a clumsy, awkward, shitty first attempt at a two-way rally, but if that instigates somebody else who's like, oh shit, I can profit off of this, or I can do this better, or I've got more to gain out of this, I can make publicity out of this, I want to get my face on camera, and they do it 10 times better than you, you've done something. Uh -huh. You've changed the fucking world. Um, there are channels that exist today that saw my fat ass going to training classes and getting to go for free, and getting to hang out with all these cool people and i wasn't cool enough and they decided to be do that better than i did and those channels are huge now so you can do stuff poorly and that can change the way things happen in subsequent years going to shot show and taking 340 videos in 2009 and something like well to 200 something videos in 2009 340 videos in 2010 that changed shot show we weren't the only ones taking pictures. Uh, gun, what was it? Who's that guy? Uh, can't think of him now. The guy with the beard from Georgia, maybe South Carolina. Gun blast. Gun blast is going to shot before me. 
If you look at gun blast coverage of SHOT Show, it's been exactly the same since 2005 through 2009 when, or 2012 when they started doing video. It was exactly the same. So I'm not saying I was the only one at SHOT Show doing it, but going in there and being a big clod and doing a bunch 340 shitty videos and putting that on YouTube and making a, an embarrassing amount of money from it instigated other people to go to SHOT Show and do it better. So I've done it. I know what it's like to just do something and then the result of it is somebody comes along and and finishes the job or does it better and and takes it in a whole nother direction um and because i've done this in the past i refuse to believe that we can't do this with two-way uh interest and two-way activism uh if we so, can get and, out there and, and do a shitty version of it this year then maybe in 2020 the big guys will go oh there's something there like oh we can get famous doing this whatever their goal whatever their motivations are they can see a shitty version of something that's got potential and they can fucking take it and do better. I really hope and, that and, happens. Yeah. And in, in, in other words, regardless of how you do it, just go out and do it. Fuck yeah. I can't imagine. I can't stress enough that that's I've, everything I've ever done. I, I do it and the, pretty much everything. A shit ton of stuff that I've done though. People have come along and done it better after. And I think the place that we're all better off from it. Like we have better coverage of stuff based on somebody going out there and doing it first. So again, I'm not trying to cream clutter for nothing, but I'm just trying to say that I, this is the reason I'm so passionate about this. You don't have to accomplish the goal in order to get tremendous strides towards that goal. And I think our two-way rallies are a potential. I think the Every Second Matters project has potential, at least the concept of getting together on the second of the month. Gonna effort really fucking hard to get everybody together this second so that we can do something at SHOT Show. I really believe when the industry gets together in the same place, it costs a lot of effort, a lot of money to get together in the same place. And we're wasting a lot of potential doing this for however many since 1976. The industry's been getting together at SHOT Show. I don't know how long the NRA's been going, the NRA meeting's been going on, but we know the Pennsylvania one's been going on for a while. And now we have the CC, uh, USCCA event. And all of these events bring at least dozens, if not hundreds, of media people together. And, uh, you know, we've got a potential there to to get these people who are, you know, waiting for somebody else to do something. So it doesn't, you don't have to be the, the, the quarterback to get the game started. You start a game and you start, you know, you start uh, proving that there's something there and others will come along in, in effort. It's just that you can't expect somebody who's content to just sit there doing their thing successfully to change rails and do something differently. Sometimes you got to prime the pump, right? Exactly. Very well said. What one thing I do is I I can guarantee I have at least one person come with me to a rally or a location, because since I don't drive and I I try to pick people that might not be as, um, you know, into the to the scene. I guess I don't know how to say it, but you know, somebody that that might just be, you know friendly or whatever about firearms or just kind of, you know, acquainted with them, but not, you know, some, somebody extremely into it or something. And then that kind of can branch off. Of course, I usually have to pay them, but. That always helps, right? <laughs> You'd be surprised at how, how many people you can get. 
No, I'm not surprised at all, sir. So we got to pause. Seven Winders have been asking a question for a while. You guys are kind of addressing it in the YouTube chat here, but let's bring it up into the voice chat here. Uh, let's see where to go. Somebody have it. He was asking that same question a couple of times about scare tactics or whatever. There was some what talk in the side chat about scare chat. Yeah. Yeah, seven, seven. What about using scare tactics on your peers? This is from Seven Wonders on for whatever reason he's on the gun channel on the YouTube side. Uh, what do you what about using scare tactics on your peers? Like, if you don't do more, your state will not might end up like California. Sounds like an approach that a dirty politician mm -hmm. might take. Yeah, I think that's way counterproductive. That would do no good whatsoever. Well, it does do good for the NRA, highly, though, because that's how they're raising money from their base, the older crowd. Yeah, I think it still works with the older crowd versus... Not this you know, older crowd, sir. I see an issue with, with kind of that scare tactic, because that can be, you know, taken a bunch of different ways. You know, if you have somebody that just sits there and and, you know... Not to be cliche, but you know, shall not be infringed, and that's all they say. You know that that can turn off, you know, even you know, any of us. You know, if it just gets you know wearing you down or something. So, I would I would whatever do it sparingly. I think it kind of undermines our point. Well, not our point. I'm sorry. It undermines anyone's point that's using the scare tactics it's like the the information doesn't hold enough weight on its own i think i think Education. we should inform people yes and you should let them know that you know if we don't stop this every state can end up like california and the education part is fantastic and and, and we don't use the scare tactics but scare tactics will it makes everyone skeptical people should be naturally skeptical as it is and when and they they wonder like why do you have to portray it like that what you're not confident in what you're saying i think that the information should stand on its own so I, I, education I yes and possibly warning yes but not scare tactics I'm not a fan of those yeah i i think you end up alienating more of those people that are in the middle that are not sure about what they think the the people on the opposite side of the argument nine times out of ten there's nothing you can say to them that's going to change their mind but when you use the scare tactics those people in the middle that are they they don't know enough to make a decision about it you're going to end up alienating them and yes. and that's where you're going to get the majority of people anyway exactly the ones in the middle are the only ones that are up for grabs yeah you might as well waste your time on the far away you know the far left or far uh, antis it'd be like them trying to convince us that you know, <laughs> guns are bad. You're just not going to. Doesn't matter what you say. No, I think scare tactics do tons of harm. I think education, no matter where it goes, is is good. Even if it is the anti-gunners, because there's a lot of them over there that are just doing it because that's what they do, and you know they're just following along with the herd. So I would throw out the education and the information to everyone. I, I wouldn't just focus it on, you know, the, the little middle group. That, well, that, I think that's me. I, I just like to talk. Well, I think like Clover said earlier, though, that, you know, we don't have just one 
strategy. We don't have one tactic here. And even in our own conversations, depending on who we're talking to, I don't want to say that it's, we don't want to completely disregard the concept because that's how Minnesota, that's how Washington, I believe that's how Washington State and Oregon happened uh, by not being aware of what's going on in uh, California. And then we saw it leak to Nevada, all places. And it's about to happen here. So I don't want to use that as a scare tactic, but we have to be aware that we don't have bastions of freedom. We have generations of people that are dying and had, you know, voting opinions or whatever, and they're being replaced or their void is being filled by other opinions. So I think we, we, we can't attack more than one front, but I agree that our wording should be to the middle when even when we're talking to the other side even if it seems like a futile effort the people that are aware of the conversation if it's in public or on the internet the people that might see it that are in the middle are going to be able to they're not they're not stupid they're going to be able to see that they're using a bunch of emotion if we go straight to fear which is an emotion that's that's two in, in, in non-logical arguments where if we're aware of those people in the middle and you know, we're smarter about it than we're having the conversation with the anti, but potentially swaying or making someone at least interested to research who's in the middle. Well, I think kind of the fire and brimstone approach is kind of the old school approach, like, you know, almost like the news media approach now instead of, you know, the older, how they used to, I don't know how to word that, how I'm trying to say it, but how things used to be approached to get more attention and they still do that to get more attention is used like a fire and brimstone approach instead of just facts. Well, in the old days with the magazines and the newspapers, I mean, prior to the internet and stuff, you know, the mass majority spent most of their time working and doing family stuff. And maybe that wasn't in their, you know, front of their mind that people were going to try to take stuff. And so, you know, throwing up, in a article or a, a mailing or what, however they got information across, you know that that throwing everything at it and scare tactics, you know, worked for our side because you know it kind of caught the attention of you know the farmer that worked you know 18 hours a day and didn't have time to you know worry about you know what was happening in Washington or whatever. I mean, not not that that's the same now, but. Um, I'm sure, you know, old hat stuff that worked before, they just kind of continue it. Or was that backwards? No, it made sense. Is Seven talking about, when he says with the speaker last night, was he talking about a chat or is he talking about he was at an event? He said it chat earlier in that thing. I was I was wondering who was using scare tactics. So that's what brought it all up. I I don't know yet. I'm trying to figure okay. it out. I'm assuming it was somebody in a text chat and somebody's. Uh, he said it was the person talking. Oh, well, it was actually somebody talking. Yeah, I'm trying to find where he said it earlier. So Rob, I thought he said it was last night. Oh, here he, he says, sadly, I heard that last night from one of our peers, twice verbally, not in the side chat. Just turned me off. Wondered if I was the only one. Yeah, I'm not sure. So let us know more info and then we can insight. 
Robert said right before that, though, I learned not to be confrontational when approaching those on the fence and explain being pro-gun as I believe in the rule of law and enjoy personal freedoms and liberties. Well, we're not going to get anywhere if we just shut down people when they offer up an opinion that differs from ours a little bit. I mean, within our community. We need to hear each other out. But I don't know who he's talking about, so. Yeah, I guess tell us which chat, because, yeah, there was, it seems like we constantly have chats all the time, so <laughs> some of us are jumping yeah. in the chat, right? Well, and there's times when you, you can know, tell us on the gun channel site in a private message, so you don't have to use the garbage YouTube chat over there. That's garbage. You can use our tools over on gun channel. I mean, if it was something I said that you know got somebody the wrong way, I'd want to know. So. Yeah, exactly. Don't feel afraid. Yeah, I wouldn't have meant it that way, but I could have misspoken. Looks like Clover's got his mic back. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering if it was working. I uh, forgot what I was going to say. Yeah, there's, you know, one thing that you got to keep in mind is that, you know, you get a lot of these, a lot of these panels, and, and the vast majority are not as fluid as the Daily Gun Show has been now. They're not nearly as structured, and um, emotions start flying when, you know, ideas are tossed back and forth and all of that. And when that happens, sometimes you get, you know, some of these people that we know and love that get a little overzealous with things at times. Um, I do it myself, so you know that's why yeah. I usually point the finger at other people because I think we times, all do it. There's times when I'll chastise somebody, and there really isn't any reason to do it. I'm just, you know, I'm in a place because of the way the discussion has gone. I'm just kind of in that place, so that that does happen. So you know, we while that is a valid point that Seven is making, I don't know that we need to read too much into the specific person and and worry about all that aspect. No. Oh, because I'm I'm almost positive it was a misunderstanding, so that's why I'm curious. I'm curious yeah. as to which chat it was, whether it was midnight or what, or he may have just been uh, shocked by his pointy head from last night. <laughs> well, keep in mind, we're about 13 minutes away from another New Year, so we have crossed uh, we have crossed the time continuum going on three times now that's going to be the people in the mountain time zone all right we have a, a, an actual situation on the gun channel side that we can offer some assistance with uh fine ape is saying even though he has a link and he didn't jump in here he's saying it's 11 below 20 mile an hour cuts and i'm still debating if i want to fire up the grill and cook up some brats or <laughs> I'm gonna vote ribeye. I would not eat brats. Maybe I mean, I would go ahead and I would go ahead and bring the grill in the house before I fired it up because you don't want to have to go out no. there and turn it over when it's so cold. I mean, just oh yeah. If it's raining, snowing, it, it's the grill, and he better be do, talking about charcoal, not pro propane, right? <laughs> I'm just curious with the brats. I'm wondering if he's got hoagie rolls. What does he got? Is he got what is he putting the brats on? That's gonna be my question. Well, Probably. don't you guys? soak your brats in beer anyway that would have had to have been prepped uh not necessarily i mean if it's depending on you can get brats that are you know stuffed or whatever and have jalapenos and cheeses in them and different things. you can get them that already have the beer in them now too yep Ugh. <clears throat> i'll take your word for it 
<laughs> yeah, Johnson back in the day, the brat thing was soaking them in beer for I thought a day or something. It took for a while, right? And don't forget your Jardinera to go with it, eh? Hold on, wait a minute. Is that the chopped up peppers and olive thing? Yep. All right, so here's the deal. I bought some of that stuff in Illinois at Walmart. At Walmart. And then I can't find it anywhere else in the freaking country. At Walmart. Literally, <laughs> Minnesota, North Dakota, Montana, Wyoming, stupid Utah, Nevada, and Arizona. Nobody has this stuff. It's kind of a Chicago thing. Well, they said it's for muffalata, the New Orleans sandwiches. So right. If oh, anybody yeah. knows a store that sells that stuff, let me know. Because there's like a void of anything that's tangy and salty like that here in Arizona. I when, will let you know. Right when you come to the East Coast on your next on your next tour, you have to go to a place called Cootie Browns in Johnson City, Tennessee. They have the best muffaletta sandwich ever. Oh, okay. You have See, to. I'm kind of unrefined. I don't even know what a muffaletta sandwich is. It is fantastic. It's a New Orleans sandwich, and it's some kind of a bread that's kind of like a uh, English muffin-ish, but way bigger. And then they take this loaf of bread and cut it in half. And I don't know what they put in it because I don't eat that shit. But it, mainly the, the stuff we're talking about is like a relish that's like... It's, it's lots of olives in it. Olives. It's, it's tangy, like a hot sauce, but not you know hot or anything. Just a little tangy, but then super salty. Man, it's delicious. Imagine like a coleslaw made out of olives and peppers. It's it's like it's like the the Louisiana version of a Cuban sandwich. It's 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 several different versions of pork and stuff, and it's all pressed down. And it's 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 good. It's good. I mean, I would probably eat them. Yeah, they're they're good. I love Cajun food. It's not. It's not super spicy like that, but it's, they're wonderful. So when you come through on the East Coast, Cootie Browns, you got to go there. I won't remember, but I'll, I'll remind you. I'll remind you. Remind me. Yeah. I'll meet you there. So yesterday's asking, what was the name of that stuff? And I wish I knew. I only heard you guys say it. So say it again. Jardinera. Yep. That's what it's called. And then the sandwich is like a mufalada or something like that. Yes. Yep. All right, let's talk SHOT Show for a bit. It's 2019, and now I found out that the last chat, the Yankees not going. Yeah. So, so that's another of the big YouTubers who are dismissing uh, SHOT Show is the shit show. So this irks me. I mean, I'm not saying I love every single aspect of SHOT Show, and I certainly don't like the, the sands, but... Again, this is a time when the industry gets together for a week. We spent a lot of time and resources to get there. And I am not suggesting that we turn the show, which is an industry trade show, vital to the industry. I'm not suggesting that we turn it into a 2A event. We have 2A events, but we're all able to multitask. And the idea that we're going to dismiss the one industry get-together because we don't individually profit from it. I don't know what the hell Yankees things are here. I'll go give him a piece of my mind at some point off air. But... Uh, it sounds like if he couldn't get his shit together or something for his passes, you know, that's a, a goal we or that's a, a thing that we a barrier a burden that we can overcome. But uh if he's gonna blow it off because it's not effective, then I can I'm gonna take it. I don't believe that. So 
what do we think? Passed it off as he, he, yeah, he waited too late to get his pass or whatever, basically. And yeah, that's, that's a cop out. out. That's a cop out because that things can be done there uh, very easily. Um, To the, to the other point of the bigger channels that are just dismissing it and dropping out, I say, good, you let them go uh, in a, you know, in a selfish way. And then I'm being kind of protagonistic here a little bit with this. Because, of course, I would like to see more unification in as many years as possible and all that. But at the end of the day, the big boys, let them go. And the reason I say that is most of those aren't following along. They're not part of this new media. They're not forging the ground that a lot of us smaller guys have been forging for the last couple of years or so. Um, Things are changing. And if you don't keep up, you're going to fall behind. And as soon as you start disconnecting, not only falling behind, but disconnecting yourself from the industry, your toast. So um, I'll, I'll gladly pick up the slack. Yeah, maybe a few more of the big channels will drop out, and that way small ones like me and Gary can get accepted. Yeah. Well, that really didn't have anything to do with that. I think I think we oh, need I know. Well, Here's the problem with that is, are you going to SHOT Show? Well, I don't know. I may apply. I mean, you know, we need to get together in a private hangout, and we need to hammer, you know, pick a day, and we need to do it in October you know, by October anyway, and we need to make sure that the websites and the podcasts and the blogs and uh, all of the stuff is hammered out and in line. That way, just as soon as you're able to apply, you can apply and you have everything you need in play because wait until registration opens and then go, oh, wait, I need this and this and this and this, you know. Uh, Like I've said all along, I'm not upset about it because I wasn't, you know, I said I would go if I got approved, but I wasn't really trying hard this year just because I hadn't made plans for it ahead of time. Right. So it wasn't that big of a deal to me that I tried. I didn't try very hard this year just because it was going to be kind of burdensome on me to even go. Well, my my dissatisfaction with that attitude is that <clears throat> the heavy hitters, the big dudes, have got the momentum. And if we can't get them to even show up, then there's no chance we're going to get them to to do something more than just look at this whole thing as just some sort of industry, whatever. No, I I, I agree. That's why I said that. That's that's kind of my knee jerk reaction when a big guy says, "Oh, I'm not going to shot you." You know, that's kind of my knee jerk. Is well, don't more for me. Bye. You know, but you know, ultimately, yeah. I mean, I I think that even when you're talking, you know, the gigantic channels. Um, you know, they're bringing people in a lot of the times for in, infotainment or whatever, uh, entertainment or infotainment purposes, but they're still, they're getting eyes into an aspect of the, the farm lifestyle in the farm community. So, you know, there's still a plus here. and you're right. They still have that reach and that influence that can be helpful. Well, and, and it's this concept that this is what SHOT Show is because this is what SHOT Show was. And therefore, since it's not what I need, I'm done, right? That's the part that seems frustrating to me. And it's not the Giardina. That has, like, cauliflowers and stuff when I look at pictures of that. So I don't know what the hell the name of the stuff is I'm actually looking for that's got way more olives in it. Anyway, um, sorry, so I'm distracted. I'm going to quit looking at those olive relishes. Um, You know, you see uh, what's-his-face, nothing fancy, comes along in 2013, like two years after 
possum and going or something and starts acting like he's the first person to ever go to shot show and uh you know did his 45 minute booth reviews kind of did found out that that was annoying for the booths and people didn't want to watch it and he was just getting more gruff so then he oh dismisses it as like this isn't for me and then you get other people who go in and you know have real successful years and make all kinds of arrangements and plans and then oh i don't need to go back and then they're not there well, again, if we look at Chacho as being just a place to go gather resources and then walk away from, it's never going to be anything more than an accumulated bunch of resources that we pick from and then leave. Uh, again, are we going to change the fucking world or are we just going to continue to you know, perpetuate old traditions? And, 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 and it's, attitude, it's attitude as well, right? It's perspective and attitude. And Are ownership. They can if, if they're like, oh, Shot Show sucks. Well, guess what? You're a member of Shot Show. You're in the industry. Go make it better. Right. So oh. you don't make it better by ignoring it and acting like it's shit. Oh yeah. Are you there for Are you there for what Shot Show can do for you? Or are you there for what you can do for Shot Show? You know, it's the same with the people that. Well, I'll, I'll go to I'll go to NRA, but I'm gonna stand outside. I'll hang out with you guys in the parking lot, or I'll you know really. You know, that's that's the industry in there. Without those people, you have nothing to buy to exercise your Second Amendment rights. So you don't go to the meetings. Screw the ILA. Screw all the stupid meetings and stuff. But go, you know, talk to and support and try to get content and the word out on the products in the industry that is the stuff literally that we use to exercise that right. You know, it makes no sense. It's counterproductive. And it's the same way with SHOT Show. To go in a selfish manner what can it what can they do for me um i don't know i just i don't like that attitude i don't i don't see how somebody gets to that attitude i guess you know oh you know how you get to that attitude shit tons of money shit tons of money and you don't care anymore and you lose all respect i guess so but that were you not did your did your mom and daddy not whoop your ass when you were young Did, 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 did you is there a lack of respect there what's going on because you know, I, I feel I've got I, I got my book in the mail or my catalog and instantly I had 28 freaking booze. That's like, OK, I need to stop by, shake hands, say hi, you know, just touch base. You know, I don't necessarily got to spend time and take pictures with these people because they're going to be on the podcast or they have been. And I've already I'm already affiliated with them and I do videos and they send me stuff or whatever. But I need to touch base and say, hi, it's the biggest show. It's the whatever super bowl of the industry i need to be there i need to be seen by them that way they know i'm serious that way they know i appreciate what they do for me while i do for them and you make it worth their seventeen thousand dollars for a downstairs booth i can't i haven't asked anybody upstairs in a while i'll go ask this year find out how much an upstairs booth costs 17 plus thousand dollars just to have a space there another five to twenty thousand dollars to make your booth look the way you want and then employees and your product and then you're going to spend a, a week there showing yeah. off your stuff to the industry. Yeah, you want to go by and say thank you for this. Like, I acknowledge that you're doing it. Let me take some pictures and share this tens of thousands of dollars worth of effort you put into it. Otherwise, yeah. what, let's go to the gun shop or owner. Even, or not even, I mean, not ne- like I said, not necessarily even do that. I mean, if it's if it's somebody, like I said, if it's somebody that you're already dealing with, just to stop by and say, hey, man, it's good to see you. Hey, have you got any plans for dinner? Have you, you know, whatever. Hey, let's hang out. Hey, you know, you're going to be on the podcast. You want, you want to come back in the next few weeks. Hey, you got a really nice booth here. Uh, you know, I appreciate it. You know, what's what's new here? Hey, let's talk about that. You know, just, just setting plans on the for the future. But being appreciative that yes that they're there and being appreciative that they're a part of the industry and a part of the community 
And it's that's why I said did the bigger guys did their mom and daddy not whoop their butt when they were young and teach them some respect because it seems disrespectful to me to just dismiss the entire freaking industry. You're so big and 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 so wealthy or so well known or and, whatever. And you're and that there's the lack of respect for your audience because right. now your audience doesn't get to experience it no, through your point of eyes. Yeah. So yeah. let me just take a break. It's the Pacific or no, I'm in the mountain oh, time yeah. zone right now. We just hit midnight and just an FYI, my dog is doing pretty darn good last year. I didn't have her for that, but I had her for something, 4th of July maybe. And she was freaking out with the fireworks and there's all kinds of fireworks going on right now and she's doing pretty good, but it is the uh, new year for us. So now awesome. we've, we're okay. now in the future with y'all, except for, is anybody in here? Champagne all around. Champagne. Sarge was about to drop a bomb here. I'm going to let him. I, I just put it in the chat. Everyone just needs to realize that Yankee is still living in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> We're all ahead of him. We're all like a year ahead of that guy. You, you can only you can only get that joke in right now at this time. <laughs> After that, it's, it's useless. We got about an hour. We're still good. <laughs> So maybe somebody will jump in here. I don't know if we need to run for a whole other hour. I do appreciate the people that jumped in and spent the new year with us. I know that uh, Ape's got his chat going. I think other people probably have chats going. Osh has something going with the shortwave. Uh, Daniel has a link, and he's asking at the NRA show, are there any training groups there with a booth? Not really, because the booths cost $17,000, and trainers are typically looking for relationships and stuff. They're walking around. It's more productive for them to walk around. He's saying NRA, though. Oh, sorry, NRA. Same thing. No, because, again, it's too expensive to be there, and it's not the right venue for someone who's in a training facility. Usually they walk around. Yeah, or they'll hang out. They'll be scheduled at certain booths, and they'll kind of hang out at certain booths that are their sponsors or help them out or something, too. So, yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, I'll be at here Tuesday at 2 p.m. kind of thing. Yeah, see, I, I got I cornered Pincus at the Winchester booth at NRA, so. It's where I was finally able to corner him. So NRA is a little unique as NRA because of their whole kind of grasp on training. And there's pretty high requirements for their training. There's uh, things, you, there's rules. You can do things with your training. You can't do things. NRA training is a credentialed. So, you know, you can't be sloppy. It has to be consistent and uniform. And because of that, I suspect they just don't, it's not the right venue for a, for like a, tech response or something to set up a booth or like a Clint Smith to set up. That's a booth. true because they have their own. Yeah. They have their own criteria for not only training, but competition as well. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now back they're to there, they're present. They're just like, say they're walking around. They usually have their shirts or some kind of a uniform and then you know, they're, they're there. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely always a presence of every, every aspect of the industry pretty much. I've got, um, I would like to hear from Sarge. I guess uh, I'm looking, kind of looking at the panel, and I'm guessing Sarge, being a first-time shot show guy this this year, this go around, I'm kind of wondering his take on the whole big boys and not going. What's what's your perspective, Sarge? Was since you've never been? Who, who's not going? Who has said that? 
Well, the, the you know, the bigger channels tend to say that a lot of times. They're like, oh, you know. In the last three years, it's been the biggest channels in the gun industry. A lot know? of people need to be asked to go because they need to, some validation. You know, oh, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. They need to be talked into going to to feel good about themselves. And I have no earthly idea which channels it is that's not, that aren't going. That's just the way I feel. Right. Sometimes people think a little bit. Yeah, what channel? More themselves than they, than they should. Right, right. Because, of course, how, how do they get to be big channels? Right. By going and doing this and doing oh, this right. stuff and seeing right. people <laughs> and whatnot. That, that's, or maybe something happens in 2012 that has repercussions in 2013 and skyrockets people into positions that, that weren't earned but simply were attained. Well, they. I mean, they did the work, um, with, but... but it was not the same work. It was a lot easier <laughs> then than it is now. So I don't want to, I never want to de degrade a larger channel to say that, oh, it was just handed to them. You know, anybody, whoever it is, I don't want to say that because, you know, I create, I know what it's like to have to, you know, oh, I got to get this video out. Oh, I got to get this scheduled. I got to get this shot. Oh, crap, it's raining today. So now I'm even more pressed for time because I got to try to do this tomorrow. And, and I, get the, I get the rat race aspect of all of it. Um, so I never want to take that away from even a, a Hickok or nothing fancy or a, or a military arms or a demo or whoever. But, you know, I think that, you know, it, it definitely, you cannot argue it is, it is factual that it was a much, much easier environment for them to come up in back then. They had all the controversy of, you know, the 2013 year, which which rocketed search traffic, for example. They did not have the anti-gun leftist groups with uh, plugins like No Platform for Fascism and all this other stuff to mass report stuff. They um, they just didn't have all of the all the negatives that they were that they were fighting. They did not have the same algorithms they were dealing with. Well, and, factor in the amount of money we were earning from YouTube during that time. Right. And not just good. on and not just YouTube, but I mean all platforms. You gotta realize. Oh, no, no, I'm talking not success on the platform. I'm talking payment. Like actual thank you for putting your stuff up here. Here's an embarrassing amount of thousands of dollars every month, in addition to whatever relationships they had privately with whoever it is they were focusing well, on. And that begs another question since they're since they're they've obviously lost a, a percentage of that. I mean, depending on the channel and their ad rate and I mean who nobody knows but them, unfortunately. And and most people are not going to share their, their actual data. Uh, you know, their actual bank statements or checks. But we know that, you know, across the board revenue's been cut. Um does that play into since their revenue has been cut on YouTube that they really don't care about going to get stuff for their viewers because they're really not getting paid to put stuff out for their viewers? Is it that type of a mentality you think, G? Uh, yeah, and that's one of the reasons I, I'm so pissed about it is because that's the perception that they're going to put out. Like it doesn't, it's not necessary, so it's not necessary for you. And, you know, I'm not only going to shut up about it, I'm not going to be, you know, ignore it. I'm going to make a big point about how it's such a bad thing and how it's, I don't know. And then you start to get into lies and, you know, misinformation about how NRA influences on it or anything like that. Like, so there's personal issues that people have that they'll use as justification. So 
if they just said nothing and just went about their way, I wouldn't even know about them. It's the people that get up and make a big deal about it. And we're talking people that are in their fourth year. Again, I'm looking at this from a few years of experience of doing this. And I talked about different trends and, you know, things that have happened and, and have happened over and over again. And when somebody goes to SHOT Show for four years and decides that they've had enough, that they've experienced it all, I mean, just I don't feel that's honest. So there's something I was going to. I was going to ask you about that. Dang it. What was it? Crap. As far as like how long they've been going? Mine went went for like literally three years and then dismissed it as being beneath them. Oh, oh, no. You were talking about, you were talking about lies in the NRA. Now, I mean, there is truth to, I mean, NRA has play and swing and influence in that, right? I mean, they have to. In SHOT Show? They're one booth. You've seen how many booths are there. They're one mean, booth. Because of, the, because of the size of the booth, and you don't think that they, they funnel any other money into NSF? Or is there kind of... NSF is industry. NRA is just a group, just a membership organization. NSF is industry. A lot of, so I just see a lot of people that are there in NSF. Right. I just see an awful lot of, of especially when you, you look through this book, this magazine, whatever you want to call it that I've got, I see a lot of NRA stuff in there. So, you know, that's money spent with advertising or whatever, which is not necessarily influence. I mean, if the, NF, if the NSF is offering, hey, you know, we've got this page on the book for this many thousands of dollars. Yes, exactly. And, and, and NRA just lost how many millions of members or right. of members? Uh, yeah, so. that's not that's not their to the wheel of the NRA. That's the NRA is buying. Yes, from buying them. ad space. Yeah. yeah, they can buy as big a booth as they want because they got all the money. So yeah. it might be interesting to you and me, or maybe a couple other people. I have every single shop, well, pretty much every single shop book for the last thirteen years, mm-hmm. and yeah, the NRA, whatever presence is empty. It's gone for many of those. Like they exist, they're there, but it's not their show, and they know it. And no one's going there for any kind of political stuff, and they know it. So they're present in more when maybe something's going on, maybe more often, or more, it probably aligns more with their membership than you know if they feel like they need to push memberships or something. But uh, they're present because obviously they're an in, they're a big chunk of our community, and every you know traditionally people know about them. And I'm sure that the sixty thousand people are there, probably fifty five thousand of them are members, right? Right. But it's not an NRA thing, so. Definitely this year, I haven't had a chance to look at the book to see what how big a presence they are. But yeah, it's 100%. NSSF says, here's the book, and here's how much it costs to be in all the different places of the book. And NRA just started throwing money. All right. Gotcha. Yeah. That's kind of what I, what I had figured. But then everybody else wants to correlate that, I guess, to you know, them bending to their wheel or something. Now, you know, one thing that is cool I don't know if anybody else has noticed it or not. Has anybody else seen SHOT Show advertisements on YouTube? Mm, like before videos and stuff? No. Uh, and then the All side. Right. You know how if you're on a PC, you know how sometimes you'll have the ad in like the top right corner beside the video? I've gotten SHOT Show ads lately. I haven't like, seen those. I've gotten the lower third one, the one that comes up, you know, you know what I'm talking about at the bottom, the little banner thing. Uh, I haven't seen one before video, but I've seen the one that comes up on the video, like at the bottom. And then I've seen the one that's to, if you're on a PC, I don't know, I guess it shows up on a, 
on mobile, but on a PC, it shows in the like the right hand corner beside the out beside the video. I have seen Shot Show advertisements. It's pretty interesting. I started to screenshot one the other day, and if they pop up again, I probably will. Yeah, do it. I think that's interesting. I didn't even know that that was a thing. I noticed that they've, you know, they NSSF has been around since sixties. And, you know, it's just, it was uh, basically there had been other trade shows of various sizes regionally and shot basically decided to do something nationally. It was sort of like at the time, from what I understand from reading it, uh, they have a pretty good history of shot show somewhere. Uh, there's this PDF that goes into real detail. Anyway, at the time, people were like, oh, we don't need another trade show. And then obviously it turned into the biggest trade show uh, for the industry. Um, and Shit, I'm trying to read too many things at the same time. Where was I going with that? You were asking about what? I'm going to slip out. Take it easy. Thanks for jumping in. Have a good time, yeah, too. I, I'm going to hit the range in the morning. So it's always it's a good way to start the new year on the range. All right. You bet. I'll see you guys tomorrow night or sometime tomorrow online. Bye. Later, Sarge. I just wanted to say that uh, um, if we bring back open carry, I am going to wear, like I've mentioned before, I'm going to wear a bandolier of single shot black powder pistols, a brace of them. And I'm going to open carry that. I think that's uh, very out in front and also a quaint vestige of the past that people won't feel threatened with. But they're real guns, so that's what I'm going to carry. That's actually an interesting idea when people are talking about open carrying, carry something that's period and. I would imagine people are going to be less concerned. They're going to think yeah. more like the interest. Yeah, I, it's, it sounds like a joke, but I'm not even kidding. Like, I, I would carry a brown vest, like, just over my shoulder, just a, you know, capable working brown vest. I'd just carry that. Um, the bandolier of single shot black powders, I think, is just cool looking. But um, if, if, the, if the common argument is, oh, the Second Amendment only gives you access to black powder, well, okay, let's all start carrying black powder. Um, you can still have your. Uh, CCW and carry concealed. No reason you can't have a more appropriate weapon on you. But um, if open carry is allowed, why not carry around a brown vest? They're not going to be upset. They'll get upset about an AR-15. But if you're carrying a black powder rifle as a sign of you exercising your rights, very few people will actually get really upset by that. It's like, what what are they going to do? They're going to get mad that you have a black powder rifle? They could. They they will in California, but. If you think about it, it's kind of a weird active protest. No, I like it. Coon skin, one of those coon skin hats. No, you don't have to go all period. I mean, I might because I'm a hipster. But um, you know, I, I just think just starting with that would be an interesting, interesting starting point. So we started the show a long time ago now, and uh, I'll ask everybody how much more life they got left in them. But um, I wanted to go through, since we had a couple of people jump in, who I didn't get to ask this question to, uh, we started out since it is the last day of 2018 when we started this whole thing. Um, do you think 2019 is going to be a good year, a worse year, or more of the same? Did I get to ask you, Gary? Uh, no, not yet. What do you think? It's going to be more of a challenging year, I think. We're at the point where we might make some progress. It's going to take a lot of work, but I can see the tide turning in certain places and in the other places turning against us. 
but I think we're starting to get noticed. So if we work hard, it may be a good year for us. I think it's going to be more of the same. I think there's going to be victories and there's going to be losses. Um, I don't think anything major is going to swing either direction. I am concerned about all the stuff that's happened with the NRA, uh, largely because of the NRA. I feel if they don't get their act together or someone steps into the void, that that will be concerning for 2019. That would be my my hinge point. Um, I think, I think it's already of, happened. No, I, I, no, no, no. I, I think it has, but um, if there isn't necessarily other entities to step in and fill the void to f work, really fight against the government, that will be problematic for us. Patriot, what do you think? I, I, I kind of look at it a little different. I, I see that there's going to be a lot of issues, but I think that is when the the people that usually stand on the sidelines actually might do something. So I think it's going to be a productive year just because of that, because of, you know, with the midterms and things turn around, things are thrown up more in your face. And I know as long as we have opposition, that's when when usually you can stir up the people that are don't usually do something. Excuse so me. I, I try to keep a, a positive outlook anyways, but I, th I think we can, we can do a lot just because of, you know, the issues that will be thrown up. Definitely. I mean, I'm sure that there's stuff already lined up and when that happens, hopefully we can get people from being, you know, so laid back and riding the, the current, I I'm on Patriots saying, you know, it seems like the gun community as a whole has sat there quiet for the last two years thinking there's nothing to worry about, nothing to worry about. So nobody did anything for two whole years. And now look where we are. So now I think there will be people popping up and standing up again. I, I wish it wasn't that way. I wish it would, you know, obviously be positive all the time, but you know, if, if some people, they, they can't take the time out of, you know, whatever they're doing for, you know, that, that extra little bit, you know, people are content with what they're doing. You know, I, I try to strive on anything. If I'm content with something, I'm not doing it right. I have to push and be uncomfortable a little bit because how are you going to progress if you're not, uh, you know, extending yourself? I love it. And after a year of being comfortable, you look back and you think, well, at least I think, like, because I've done that before, I'm like, ah, oh, crap, what I could have done. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you look at, you know, what if the gun community as a whole would have came together like they did in 2013 to stop the Obama stuff the last two years? What would we have actually got past those last two years had we tried that hard? Seriously, I mean, this is seven years later. Like, the tech, the knowledge, the mindsets, the people, we just have a whole new Really, it's a whole, uh, potentially 50% of the gun owners are different. You know, there are new ones coming in, old ones left. I really hope we can reach those on our side that, yeah, I, I know we always say that. You know, I hope we can reach the, you know, the, the hunters that that's all they care about. You know, I have family members, many family members that are hunters and, if you ask them anything, they couldn't tell you a, a single answer about pretty much anything. You know, they might have a 
old NRA sticker, but, you know, they're not involved in anything. And then I feel that, you know, that's my fault because I'm not pushing things, you know, their direction. So I hope, you know, this year is, is uh, more positive as far as pulling in, you know, some of them guys, because I, I, you know, even locally, I've, I've found those guys that, you know, they're, they're maybe positive and they might be, you know, have good intentions, but, you know, if they don't know, you know, the actual information, then they're, you know, more harm than good sometimes. I will, I will say this comment. I was, I was thinking about this. Um, I've been listening to you guys actually for a while because I was waiting for a spot to open up. Um, I, I've been thinking about at some point we're going to have to get beyond the just reaching out to the like-minded. We're really good. It seems like taking people to the range and, and speaking to the not initiated, but the people most receptive to the concept but we don't seem like we're really good at being able to, you know, repeat the lines that we always say, guns are everywhere around you and everybody went home safe today. Um, it seems like that's not happening a lot and that the people that are doing it are kind of considered firebrands possibly um, out in public, or maybe the people that are saying it aren't having a, they're, they're having a, a their, their depth and, and where they're received is by people that, are already in the mindset so i don't know i don't know what the next step is but it seems like it's going to have to be a more active um politicking if you will like actually pushing for what we believe in i know you can take me really seriously because i have this hat on well and i think that's talking about with some of the other comments where okay we got to get you know it'd been nice if we would have been uh motivated at the end of 13 and kept that going but the sad truth is we weren't right. People said, oh, okay, great. And we got, we rested. So it takes a bit of a confrontation to get people motivated. And this is like I say, it's a new set of people. I think the the core group, the creators and the, you know, the people of our age were around then and either in it or part of it and are now in it or part of it at different levels. But again, some of the older people who probably weren't the, the, the keystones of the initiatives in 2013, those older people that have passed on or whatever have been replaced by new people who may or may not have been aware of what was going on. So we have this, you know, new blood in the in the community, but we have the core group of people that, like I say, had, you know, that's created, you know, did, did all of the stuff in then and are still doing stuff. Uh, we, we're gonna, we know that something's gonna happen. It happens every year, you know, we're not waiting for it, but we, we know it's more than likely inevitable and no matter what level or scale it happens it's going to be claimed or exploited by the uh agenda seekers or whatever to uh you know to, to do something and make a big fuss about it is it possible for us as a community to figure out a way to deal with that ahead of time or do we have to rely on everyone's savvy to be able to deal with these kind of things and if so, is there something that we can do to prepare for that? I, I want to go back to the two-way rallies, you know, doing something consistently that's, you know, there gives us the potential to then, you know, have the, the systems in place if we really need it to, to resist tyranny or whatever. But is there, a, is there a way that we can capitalize on the knowing that something could potentially happen and then use that to then leverage that momentum forward so in other words 
just like the FPC had already assumed that after the initial ATF question and answer period that the ATF may rule negatively towards the braces, they had already created lawsuits or, you know, all this, the work that was going to need to be done. Gun owners were ready to do one pretty much immediately after it happened also. Is it possible to have that same concept, us ready and waiting for the inevitable and then with the ulterior motive of using that to then motivate our people? I suspect that as a group, as a community of gun owners, that once we see, I don't know, let's say New Jersey, right, a state that is uh, dealing with uh, all kinds of tyranny and stuff, if we were able to help as a country New Jersey and see that as a win, like, oh, we affected change. Unfortunately, it didn't happen in Chicago. We don't see that as a collective effort that, you know, from outside influence helped McDonald and, and Chicago to get concealed carry for Illinois. We didn't champion that, champion that as a victory that we could then use to mobilize troops to continue pushing towards, you know, why justification for 4473, you know, NFA, uh, uh, the, the Hearing Protection Act, the uh, National Reciprocity. Is it possible that we can get united? Uh, and I suspect the way to do that is through the media, the people that are uh, creating the messages that are going out there. Is it possible for us to unite and get prepared so that we can parlay whatever is going to happen into a positive direction? I, we, I got a, I got a question kind of to follow that. You know, you started with, you know, if there's something bad's going to happen, then we already know the other side's going to be pushing, you know, their their agenda, and how we can use that. Is there a way that we could find the positive things and use it kind of not necessarily like they do, where they take it and they push it, but is, would it be to stay with that positive outlook? You know, where we find something that actually happened that was positive, regardless of what it is, you know, you know lawsuits or you know an actual altercation or something where we all really get behind that and push that as as a positive versus trying to use a something that happened that was bad and you know try to take the power from that and go positive yeah like heller or like chicago or it, yeah where everybody that that's in you know that that does content that does you know whatever however you you get your word out if you could you know, everybody kind of get on that same page, you know, like the, the 2A summit where you're all leading a certain direction and you take that and you go whatever way, you, you know, whatever way your your presence is, I guess, you know, but but to push it positive so that it gets amplified more than, you know, the, the teacher that was up in, you know, New England that, that stopped something and the next day it was gone. And we're like, oh, geez, look at that. We knew the media is going to forget about it. Well, you know, do we promote that enough? Did we push that? Well, you know, to be honest with you, here's a here's a thought that, um, you know, there, there's no there's nothing that stops you from making for the creators that are watching. There's nothing that stops you from making an unlisted video that's a press release, and then sending an email to all the major networks, uh, newspapers, blogs, whatever you want with your press release in it. And the press release could be your arguments for the thing that's coming out. Probably, and and we need to be careful, right? So there's going to obviously be lots of content that gets created when something bad happens, 
right? Um, strengthening our defense in a reactionary sense to something bad that happens. But there's no reason that we can't be proactive, if you will, about something that's coming up, either um, a law that's in vote or, you know, whatever, trying to open up the exercising of rights. You can make a press release, right? Whether it's just a simply a written thing or something accompanied with a video you make, any of that's possible now. I don't know that many people are doing that. And that's something that, that might be a good idea to start doing is creating a press release that goes to these media outlets. That's actually an interesting idea. But I agree with Patriot. I think that we've let the ball drop on a couple of things that we could have champion behind to say, look, here's some positive direction. Let's apply this to this state and this state. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's always easier to push something in the same direction that's already moving, you know, to, to sit something that, that's bad and then they, they have their, you know, reaction and their agenda that they're going to push, you know, for us to, you know, quelch that and then turn it to a positive thing. That, I mean, it's a lot of work and we should, we got to do it anyways, but you know, on top of that, or, you know, next to that, if there's something that's positive, that's moving in a, a good direction, people were saved, there's a lot of things that happened that were, you know, by the by the numbers, and it worked out good. And there was a, a positive outcome. Now, regardless, if it was, you know, just shutting down some, you know, municipalities, you know, infringement or whatever, you know, you can amplify that. And, you know, I, you know, putting, putting, you know, making videos prior to something happening, you know, just, just because, you know, we know that there's obviously there's a lawsuit right now with the, the bump stocks. You know, there's nothing stopping us from saying, see, we told you this was an infringement and we're, we're happy this of this outcome. You know, knowing that, you know, if it gets overturned, then we already have something already set up and it, you know, you get enough people doing it all at once. That's a could be a trend or whatever. I, I think all we, that magic. I think we got to be cautious, though, of focusing too much on one thing, like the bump stock ban and stuff like that. And meanwhile, we've got new legislative sessions opening up the first of the year. In my state, we have a Democratic governor, which we haven't had for eight years or something like that. We've got to watch the new stuff that's coming through also. We can't just focus on that one thing. Yes, I agree. I I just picked that out because that was the only thing that was stuck in my head right now. And that's one of the things I guess I was getting at before is that I think we've got some valid efforts towards that with the whole uh, early watch project, uh, which Jimmy and, and Tony had going with uh, the concept of kind of playing zone. Um, that was kind of parallel. They were, they, if they would have been able to keep going with it, I think they were going to take it to uh, use that as a way to gather info and then apply it to every second matters so that it was archived and that it could be readily available to people. Uh, I keep selling that concept to the various uh, Second Amendment activists and researchers and authors and podcasters and people I know so that I meet so that, uh, again, someone will take that concept with more resources or ability and, and make that concept grow. Because I think that's how we we accomplish great things, right? Everyone working together, playing zone, uh, being ultimately aware of what's going on near them, being able to efficiently get that information out uh, to the whole. And then the next step would be once that's established, once there is uh, a dissemination of information that's not you know, static, that isn't repetitive, that isn't uh, redundant, 
uh, then we have a chance as a group to look at that and be able to see trends and patterns and became, be able to come up with strategies and, and, and knowing what's on the plate instead of just knowing, oh, there's an overwhelming amount of stuff or assuming there's an overwhelming amount of stuff. Knowing, let's jump back three months before the midterms, knowing that there was only one two-way issue on the midterms, imagine what it would have been like if the entire community was focused on preventing what happened in Washington State or jump back a few elections ago to uh, it would have, what would have been like for Nevada, a state that has ultimate interest in, in uh, what do you call it, uh, tourism. You know, it's depend on other people from other states to keep it in existence because the whole state lives off of Las Vegas and Las Vegas lives off of us. That was the ultimate potential for us, the external, you know, people that don't live in Nevada to put influence on a, something like that. Both of those campaigns were Bloomberg spending money. And again, I think that's a kick in the nuts. It's annoying, but it's also a weakness. They, they are spending money. They're not getting boots on the ground. They don't have grassroots support. So I think that uh, there's something there. If we were able to effort towards something, we don't have to ultimately win. We simply have to make it look lucrative enough or potential enough for someone who has the facilities to jump in and take it over and champion it and accomplish whatever it is where our goals were. And I think, we, go ahead. I was going to say, I think we also got to be careful and not uh, get too confident over small things. For example, I went to that 2A rally in Topeka last year, and I had went to the one the year before, and there were only two people there, me being one of them. And then there were 200 people this last year, and I thought, oh, great, we've got a good turnout there. There's no reason why there shouldn't have been 10,000 people on those capital grounds. It should have taken up the whole damn grounds. There's that many people that are gun owners that should be interested in protecting their rights. Where were they? We're not getting the word out good enough. We're not even close to good enough. We've got to work harder. And I don't know how we're going to do that. We're going to have to have some help, I think, in each of our states. Maybe get the you know, state gun associations and stuff like that to work with us would be helpful. Well, from the first year having two people to the next year having 200, there was obviously something worked. Just got to... And it was also an election year, and uh, there were politicians speaking at the Capitol and everything else. Uh, you know, if uh, if one of us decided to hold a rally and get a permit and stuff, would we get that kind of coverage? You know, but what? Well, let me let me let me ask a question. Why? Why? So, for the people in this chat specifically, why are you holding physical anything? Why? Why are you doing anything face to face? I mean, you can. But why not just use the platforms you're already building to send out your political message? Do that there and then distribute that and get people to share that and, and post it on news outlets and blog about it, etc. Make those political videos and, and do it that way. Even if it has to be off of YouTube or wherever else, do, do it that way. Like I said before about the press releases. Maybe maybe we're too focused on the, you know, getting everybody together and coordinating. We don't need to coordinate. We just need to you just need to do more political outreach. And you might as well use the platform you've already have to do that. 
Oh, well, nobody's not doing that. I mean, a lot of people are already efforting towards that. What we're talking about, though, is one, to be able to reach the people that aren't on the Internet. I guess there's some of those. But right. But also but as, a, as an effort to show the political whatever uh, mm -hmm. situation that people are willing to show up. So it's that whole idea that anybody can write an email. Fewer people are going to make a phone call. Fewer yet are going to write a letter and fewer yet are going to show up and be somewhere. So there's some, I think, value to uh, the, pr the, the practice of getting together physically because it takes effort. And like what we were talking about earlier, just knowing where to go physically, like in Phoenix for the Capitol was, you know, it's something that needed to be discovered. Uh, but mm -hmm. really what we didn't have is the untapped potential. Like Gary, I think, was frustrated with the uh, state level organizations. But also think about gun shops. I like to look at sporting systems up in Washington State. Excellent example of a gun shop that's also an activist, right? They spent tens of thousands of dollars to prevent that, um, the last uh, stuff that happened in Washington State. And that was an opportunity that very few of us capitalized on when we did the 2A rally. So why do physical meetups would be, again, to exercise that challenge, to get the gun shops aware of it? Gun shops are physical places, not the Internet. So obviously the stuff that you're talking about needs to be done as well. We have these tools that are super effective and they're free. And uh, but we can ideally take that to gun shops then, uh, ranges, trainers, gunsmiths, hunters, hunting groups, you know, anything that we can think of and, you know, that would reach people that might not be paying attention online. And, you know, some people say I'm online, but they read email or they watch Netflix. You know, that's not really being active online. That's just using the Internet. So to reach those people that might be online but not paying attention online to let them know that there is a message out there. So now you have enforced or enhanced your your viewership or your reach that way. But also it's that effort to to bring the, the physical and the electronic, you know, together. It's hard to ignore somebody standing there. No, and I'm not saying you don't do that. I'm saying that a lot of for a lot of people that are already content creators, then you're already creating the videos. The question is, are you getting the videos in front of the right people? You're you're you have a subscribership or a viewership that's brought to you via YouTube or whatever based off of a like mind. This isn't about pulling in people with a similar mind at this point. It's about reaching out to people beyond the like mind. And if that means reaching out to media outlets or bloggers that are adjacent to your like mind or your 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 like involvement with Second Amendment rights, that's what it seems like it has to be at this point. It has to be broadening your your reach, not through the content strictly alone that you make, but through bringing where that content goes or how it gets out or, or bringing in people with a larger base that are looking for more information in that aren't experts in that area you know you keep hearing oh we got to have a dialogue we got to have a dialogue about gun rights etc etc well i mean a lot of the times those people they don't really want to have a dialogue but at the same time they don't have really any content that they can use that is anti their point and i think some won't want any of that but some sure. of them i think would because right. it'll either upset um it'll it'll create views for them right by bringing that in so that's maybe we need to think about that in 2019 is not who do we align with but who do we start blasting with these press releases using not having a better word um well, that's something that's more efficient than a, a blog or a long 
you know, extended fact-filled article, but not quite a, mine, a meme either, something that's bullet points and useful and gets your point across. I think that's a good point, Hush, and I think that, uh, I don't know, I haven't ever efforted for it, but like what Matt does on Thursdays with his diversity chat, maybe that's something that some of us who are comfortable with having conversations online can effort to make ourselves available to people that are anti or like you say, adjacent and maybe bring on, you know, being on a, a podcast that has to do with uh, some other interest of yours, outdoor photography. And then, right. Well, I mean, hey, let me tell you about my projects because I'm all two A over here or going yeah. on antis and like you're saying, like, hey, you're anti-gun and I'm willing to be on your show. Or, or not even not even that. It's produce a video about something that's coming up that is uh, clear, concise, et cetera, and then sending that out to major sources, whether it's e even Vice, right? Vice is a uh, firebrand of media. They're, they're not on your side necessarily, but they make views based off of bringing extreme or misunderstood things forward. I'm just using that as an example. Um, go post, post your video, but then create a press release email that explains what you're trying to do or, or what you think you're doing and then get that out to media that is both wholly against you and then also media that's adjacent to you like the off-road community right yeah. um there's a huge number of off-road blogs that may be more in the news or maybe that that look at political again these are all things that are like very uh strategery right this is all strategery you got to actually go out there and look for these things um but i think that's i'm not saying we've been resting on laurels i don't think that's the case at all but i'm saying that it takes an extra step to say like we made really good content covering this one particular thing whatever the law may be that's up for discussion but now we got to get it out to not just the people that are with us because we already have their votes but people who are against us. And here's why. And when you go back to where you kind of started this of how do you, if, if you had open carry again, would you open carry? Yes. Why would you open carry? Well, I want people to see that there are guns everywhere. Well, if you create a content and it doesn't go to anyone, but for people who are on the side that you are already on, then those people who have no concept of guns and, and don't, realize that they're everywhere around them all the time then your content fell on deaf ears to those people you have to get it in front of them you have to actively push it out there that would be an interesting thing to pursue in 2019 i would think lots Dude, of different ways to go about that i only wish you would have brought that up earlier in the chat because now that you're saying it and kind of hashing it out there i'm digging it i'm really digging it imagine how many people are creating content if only 10 percent of us efforted what you're talking about that's that's an influence that hasn't been done before right right because i mean you have to you have to consider we are a group of people who have been honing the craft of putting these thoughts together and then putting them out on video or doing live streams or whatever and we largely just kind of communicate in our own echo chamber in a certain way so how do we push it out to other echo chambers and and maybe maybe purely pushing it out to them will create uh, uh, extreme upset that they will just be like, oh my God, look at these, these racists, whatever. But they're getting the content out because they're replying. Yeah. So they're reaching other people that 
um, may not have initially been with you or, or may not even have been thinking about it or didn't know what was going on in their backyard, etc. It, it's, a, it's a point where we have to try to, to reach out to the non-proactive people. The people that follow you on YouTube are proactive. The people who follow you on different whatever your media outlet is are proactive. How do you reach out to the non-proactive people? You get it in front of popular bloggers, um, news, local news. Hell, do local news. Start emailing. Figure out what the content is. Figure out the Twitter um, for your local news. Figure out the email for their, what I wouldn't call it PR, but whatever the hell it is. Figure out all that stuff and then start sending them blips. Say, hey, um, this, this vote is coming up and um, I've made a video that summarizes the vote on my side and I'm pro-gun or my side, I'm pro-liberty, or I'm pro-freedom, or I'm pro-blah, blah, blah, and and just hit them with it, right? Why not? No, no, What's they gonna take not why not, not why not. No, I'm on, I'm 100% on board with you, because what you're talking about there is something that's a strategy that I've encountered in other situations before, and it's a necessary uh, skill for anybody who's really trying to make money on the web or whatever, and that's how old traditional media works, is they sit around in an editorial office waiting for stuff to come to them, and if you're not one of the people feeding them, then they don't get fed your point of view. They only get fed, you know, that they're not out there researching necessarily. They're sitting there right. waiting for news feeds to come in. Mm -hmm. and if you work in their language or in their process, then that only benefits us. And then when you need to do it for something like a project you're working on, like the decks of cards, for example, that would have been yes. perfect. I should have been sending out press releases for that. And yeah. I think that's a freaking great idea. I haven't heard of anybody suggesting that. And so uh, here's here's my takeaway point, which I, I think is probably the best thing that gives you no defense to not do it. You can't fail at this. Here's why. If you send out a press release to somebody who's completely anti against you, etc., whatever, and they post it, and let's say it's posted and every one of those people hates it, and they comment about how these people are wrong and they hate you, but then next month you do it again, and other people start doing it again and again and again. You're not trying to win the war of right now and winning that point. You're trying to normalize firearms and the rights of individuals being in front of them. So by doing it once and over and over again, consistently all the time and getting airtime, you are in essence normalizing the fact that they're there. Whereas yeah. we've been largely, Let's take people to the range. Let's take people we know and we're familiar with. Let's let's be comfortable. It's probably time to stop being comfortable. It's probably time to just reach out, put it out there, and say, "These are my points. I value this." And they'll tell you, tear you apart. And and actually, so here's here's the the serious thing is, people could likely lose their jobs because that's what a lot of liberals do when it comes to a lot of this stuff. Um, so I get that. I, I get that completely. I'm you're I'm literally asking people to put themselves out there in a sense that it could hurt them personally. And that's largely why people probably aren't doing this. But the more you normalize it and the more people are actively engaged in normalizing it. And I, I think that a lot of cases, this idea should really go to people who are doing this as a living. They're being content creators as a living. That then you no, you normalize the concept of firearms being there because we keep sending out these press releases and whenever they get posted they get lots of hate but guess what the more hate they get those people realize that we're not going anywhere because we can then, whenever it comes time for them like oh we need to get that point of view now you're already got a brain you know you've got to branch out to them you're one of the people in their rolodex that they might talk to 
So now you can become an influence on a potential issue that has nothing to do with what you put your release out on. I, I suggest a Minuteman University thing on this because I, I would be kind of lost, but I'm totally willing because they can't, they can't fire me. Yeah, exactly. So I was just thinking, like, no. try offering me. I don't have a job, so fuck it. Try it. I, I don't, I don't under, you know, I mean, the, the press releases, I mean, I know old school stuff, writing the, the thing and, you know, sending it in, but, you know, more details, kind of a, a like, not a form letter. That's no, don't, don't, don't get caught. See, like, a lot of, no, hold on. No, I, I just mean don't get caught up in the format. Where to send. No, I, I just, just how to, how to figure it out. Like, you know, I mean, I've got local local places. I've already called my local news uh, show because they, they put out some bad information. And I, you know, I, I did a phone call, but I, you know, as far as anything above and beyond that, you know, newspaper, you know, writing, you know, whatever you call those uh, opinion pieces or whatever. I, I wouldn't know. Yeah. You know, or op-ed. And stuff like yeah, that, you know. I just something that's you know I mean a lot of the stuff is is digital in that just the ideas behind it because like that when you mentioned that I hadn't even thought of obviously the press release stuff yes. so hey, you know kind of like you know a little bit no, background or something about oh. that that would be cool. So Clover, you've been silent on this one. What do you think of this concept? Mic issues though. No, it's it's good. I was playing with the emojis. I was trying to find your. Uh, I found gun websites. So. Yeah, I like that one. You know, we've been playing with the emojis over here. I'm definitely persecuted, but I'm also noticing that there's no patriot in there. I started looking, and there's like a freaking British guy with stupid British like military hat on, but there's no like regular one. Yeah, there's no American military like helmet even or nothing. So these guys are all coming up with like clever little emojis to for their channel names and me and Patriot are the only two getting screwed everybody else has cool ones right the, the website one works the web thing works anyway so yeah i man i like this one for i start first talking about this it was like yeah yeah and then as you uh, start, i've been know, i've been oh. listening and uh yeah Haas just fought on i mean that's something that you know i wish i'd have thunk it you know um yeah that's something that i've actually done that and, and it it, it that's what I've said before. We were talking about being published at one time, and I'm like, well, what do you got to be published in? Because I've been published in newspapers and magazines. I've sent stuff in, you know. Um, so I'm not a stranger to the process. I just never, I guess because you're talking old media and new media, right? And I exactly. Just, That's I exactly. Never, <laughs> never went through my mind that why am I not marrying, trying to marry the two together somehow? And it, it, what's so sad is that everything, whenever I'm doing like one of those projects for the cards or whatever, you know, I look at how to do a successful, whatever, crowdfunding campaign or whatever. And often the advice is to set PRs out, set those press releases out because you never know when it's a slow news day or somebody gets, you know, the re, you know is going to do it. So, uh, yeah, I never thought about that. And that's the thing. It's so easy to manipulate old media because it's old and stupid and it does, it, it works on an equation, you know, like I say, they're not out there with actual journalists and reporters on the staff, like going out and doing investigative stuff. Only a few sources even do that. Most of them are just sitting there watching all the different press releases that come in. And we've seen it worked against us where somebody comes up with some BS science and says, 
oh, here's a thing. Like there's a million gun incidents every year and guns are dangerous. And then they send that press release out to a thousand places. 15 of them pick it up and say, here's the thing that this guy said, you know, as if it's news. And then he can go back and say, I'm credited on CNN and USA Today and, and they all validate my position. And here it is again. So it's totally manipulatable, the old traditional systems. Right. Yep. Dude, I'm stoked. Like I said, I wish that would have happened earlier. It's eight minutes away from, let's see, we went through the East Coast, the Central, Pacific. We've been doing four hours, so we're about to hit the fourth time zone to hit. Well, it was the nation, basically. Continental U.S., I guess, anyway. And we've also accomplished figuring out how to write everybody's names and little cartoons on our notes or in our text chat over here. That's the only good thing Google has is a bunch of little stupid cartoons in there. Right. It's only good for the pictures. You know, we've got them over on gun channels. It's just that uh, um, <laughs> Bob's saying, I, he said, Happy New Year's. I said, right back at you. Have a good 2019. And he said, uh, <laughs> hope I'm around to see it all. But uh, I think Rob will still be kicking. Um, we have them on the gun channels. I turn them off because they just are a burden on the system. I don't, you know, I figure nobody cares about them versus having a more fast chat or whatever but anyway yeah anyway so that where are these images uh the things when you type on youtube there's like a little smiley face down there and if you click on it it changes your oh yeah, text yeah. box into a shit ton of little cartoon little faces and shit and we always like i've been putting the the no symbol and then a shoe and then a snake i've been doing that for a long time for no step on snake and then like you can put an owl and an anchor together for angelina and then, you know, obviously some of these guys like pants. He's got an easy one. They found one for Hosh. We've been using bacon and a thing of pancakes for pancakes. And then somebody started putting the bacon and a thing of pancakes and then a little fart thing to be pancake farts. Anyway, people have been playing around with that shit. We've mastered it tonight. Oh, crap. They just got a fine ape one. <laughs> right. So it sounds like Fine Ape has a chat going over on Gun Channels. Gun Channels is a community we built a long time ago. And uh, he's got a show. It sounds like he might be driving cross-country or something, and he's got the chat up to kind of have a co-pilot and people to chat with him. So if anybody's rocking and rolling here and wants to keep going, uh, once this is over, you can probably jump over to that live chat. And uh, I'm psyched, man. I don't know. I thought this was going to be like, well, let's just run it through the end of the time, run out the clock just to see the last uh, midnight oh, and I dropped a bomb right there. That was awesome. What, three, a little over three hours, just a hair over three hours of pretty great conversation. Yeah, and we've had some good ones. I don't know if you got a chance to listen. I had um, Tony on from Simon's Hedge Train, and he had some inspirational stories. He's just a guy, a Marine, and got you know out of the Marines a while and was into guns and moved to New Jersey and was offended and you know, the way that they're infringed there. And said, somebody's got to do something. So he started doing some stuff. And he's boots on the ground. He has uh, two-way workshops where he brings people in to, uh, you know, offer them experience with firearms. And uh, he's had tremendous success, but as an individual, not as a giant, you know, funded entity or anything. So inspirational talking to him the other day. And then it turned in, he's, he's definitely a chatter. So we had a lot of stuff to talk about. I think it was like a three-hour chat or something. So this is a four-hour chat a couple of days later. Uh, tomorrow will be the first of 2019, and the day after that is called the second. And we started a thing five years ago where, based on the apathy that we saw at the end of 2013, after the initial uh, resistance to the uh, potential infringement by Obama, 
with those 23 executive actions, um, we decided, hey, let's do something to keep a consistent effort towards Second Amendment awareness. And on the second day of each month, second for the second, we do the Every Second Matters awareness campaign. And it's nothing more. There's nothing to join. It's just a, if you want to participate, you're in it. And uh, if you want, some people have chosen to uh, get some patches and shirts and stuff that uh, say Every Second Matters on them as a way to start a conversation. So it's kind of an obscure looking saying and most people don't know exactly what it means right off the bat and it was intentionally designed that way so that it would start a conversation sometimes if you wear that shirt or a patch or something and someone asks you what it's about you can have a conversation about guns or if it's not the right time or place you can kind of archive that or save that and maybe sometime when you're driving like fine is doing right now and you've got an hour to kill with somebody and it's you know it seems like the right time you can say hey remember when you asked me about that patch or that shirt and uh, you can use that as a way to start a conversation with somebody who might not normally be interested in it. Uh, but it's also just a way that we all keep it on our mind. And on the second day of the month, we get together and we chat about what we've been doing. I don't know, now three years ago or something. Uh, I don't want to think about how much money ago it was. But some time ago, uh, Sean from Florida Carry uh, suggested that we amplify it to be more than just a general kind of relaxed awareness campaign. And we amplified the website. It's easy for us as web people. And a bunch of us uh, created a place where we archive uh, some information, mostly the groups, the organizations at the various state and local levels. Some of them are based on areas of interest or a shooting sport or uh, women or something like that. And we try to archive as many pro Second Amendment organizations as possible in the on the website. And then there's some tools there like an event calendar and like a news feed. And the idea would be similar to what we talked about earlier with the um, with the early watch project. It's built as a resource so that anyone who wants to can join and there's no fee for anything. Uh, you can join and you can help amplify messages that are already being done. So a long time ago, I figured out that these organizations at the various levels and the various uh, goals and the various objectives that they've got are doing their thing. Very few of them are doing it poorly. They're all efforting and most of them are fairly successful. And the other part of it from being a technician or guy who works on the web, it's ultimately frustrating because most of the time they're using archaic or crazy or just poorly designed modes of communication. They're not using the ultimate levels of communication that they could. And it's almost impossible and I don't think it's even advantageous to try to get them all up to speed. It's just, it's a, it's a non-necessary effort. Instead, take the accomplishments and take the efforts of all these organizations and just amplify them. And that's what we're trying to do is allow us, the people that are aware of what's going on and have interest in being part of it, allow them to log into Every Second Matters and amplify whatever messages might be out there. That might be a, a state level organization's monthly newsletter. It might be a, a Second Amendment rally somewhere. It might be a a workshop that someone's having and uh, if they if an organization puts out some information instead of burdening that organization with additionally putting on every second matters it's an opportunity for anybody who wants to put forth some effort uh, to get in there and champion an organization or a state or a, a, a particular situation like the bump stock thing and in and, and, uh, use the platform and the tools there to uh, re-emphasize re or re uh, I don't know, reamplify their messages. And uh, anyway, we're going to effort to uh, continue to 
work towards that. And if there's enough interest, we'll uh, amplify its efforts. Um, so that's coming up in a couple of days here. Hopefully we'll see some people have shows of their own or get togethers of their own. Uh, we'll probably have one. And uh, if you're interested, don't have to ask permission, just do it. Call it Every Second Matters and be part of the ongoing campaign of awareness. Well, Pants did find a couple of little emojis in here. <laughs> the Snowman Night Show? Snowman Night Show. What's up? The, oh, the, the Smeggy. Smeggy no. Cave? Smeggy and Moon Food. Smeggy and Moon Show. Smeggy and Moon had a show on Saturdays. Actually, never, but they were going to. Oh, speaking of what's going on. I didn't do it today, like I said it was going to do, but something is going to start happening because Clover is no longer into the Second Amendment and hates Fridays. So what's going to start happening on Fridays now? What? What? What are you doing? I'm what? just saying, since you decided to get rid of the Second Amendment, you now hate Fridays, and you've left this vacancy. <laughs> you now got somebody that's going to fill that, I think. He's still awake. Yeah, I'm still here. No, no, not you. Well, I think he's asleep. But anyway, we got a new show on Friday coming up. Uh, oh. I don't know if you're going to take your place back. I'm sure no one's going to care. But um, you know, you're more than welcome to take your probably, slot. Probably not. I'm not. I'm not opposed to doing it. But I've, I'm liking the produced version. We'll probably stay that way. Um, honestly. Well, I know you were getting off, getting into having the uh, kind of the what you originally started Fridays with on the Instagram. So I thought maybe you take your spot back once they give you your live feedback to uh, just do it. Friday show, not your firearm, you're not industry Friday, but whatever. Um, I don't know. Is Gary still here? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, that was, I'm trying to give you a plug there or let you, if you want, to talk about what you got going on on Friday. Oh, I was just going to start a, uh, a weekly show on I'm trying to get schedule up Fridays at eight o'clock Eastern. No, 9 o'clock Eastern, 8 o'clock Central. So pretty much right at the tail end of budget, which would still leave you, leave me two hours before Firearm Friday in case you did come back in with that. Yeah, that, was oh, okay. a, that was a dead slot anyway there for a while. Is that Friday Feathers? What's that? Is that Friday Feathers? Uh, Just probably going to keep calling it foul territory for now. I've got the, I've got the thumbnail all made up and everything for it. So, there you go. Might as well. That'll work. Yeah, Fridays was jumping boy there for a while, and you know, budget is with his work. It was kind of wishy washy, and then and but we had Jelsma, and then you had budget, and then you had um, Night Strike jumped in there for a while, and then it was me, and then it was Edge. <laughs> So Edge kind of dropped off, and Budget got wishy-washy. Jelzma's gone. Nice track doesn't do it very often. Friday's, Friday's my day off, so that would allow me time to prepare. Because I'd rather, other than it just being a free-for-all like I've done in the past, I'd like to have some topics in mind going into it. Now, I know, I know for the West Coast people, I mean, we really don't care, but it is New Year's, by the way. So happy New Year's. But, yep, that's a good point. Yeah, it just turned the last... Midnight, so we just blew through four midnights. It's pretty cool. Yeah, cool. Wow. Um, from my experience on Fridays, the shows that were just sort of chats 
were fluctuating. Like if, if, you know, there'd be chats that some of the Friday night chats were literally some of the best chats we've ever had. Some of Edge's chats were insanely awesome. But at the same time, they were also some of the most boring for long periods of time when you just let it happen organically or randomly. Uh, however, I think one of the reasons Clover's was so successful is because he had an actual chat. And Friday is one of those nights where it's not a given. Like a Thursday is pretty much a given. You do something on Thursday, you're going to get an audience. You do something on Wednesday, you're probably going to get an audience. Tuesday, you're going to get an audience. Mondays and Fridays are not so uh, obvious, but I think a, a, a formatted show is going to do better than a, just a random chat. So, right. You got to take the element of, you know, surprise and what's this going to be about out of it. That way it's, it's kind of known and then you put it out there and then that way people, oh, I want to listen in on that. You know what I mean? Right. So it did, it did far better Friday did once I had the, and that's one of the reasons I did it is it did better when I went from. It was just the one-on-one -on -one type scenario with me and the audience. When it went from there to, like, just it was kind of random. It was kind of a random thing. It was a little bit structured, and it got a little better. But then when I started actually doing the industry guests and stuff on there, um, then it did it done even better because it was a more focused thing. Whereas you know, just a bunch of people on a panel, you can go down rabbit holes and all kinds of craziness if you're not careful so um yeah i think that's why it, i think that's why it worked out white the way it did but yeah we might bring something something back eventually i haven't i haven't decided i think part of the problem coming right after right of the people is i want to make sure i don't cover exactly the same things that budget covers in his show that was a problem i had see when um when I was doing random and that's one of the things that pushed me into the industry guest is because, you know, I would have it slated and do my homework and everything else. And then budget would, <laughs> would come in with it. And it's like, well, crap, I don't like the whole idea of, I don't like every show all week long, you know, and that, that's at some point that was happening at a lot of the time is that it seemed like Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Monday night was, um, was HBS, you know, or somebody was, was talking about it. And then Tuesday night, uh, you had uh, Hit or Miss was talking about it. Wednesday night, Matt would talk about it. Thursday night, Yankee would talk about it. And then Friday night, you know, Budget Guns and Gear, or I had it on deck. And it was like the same crap ever, not. And I just got tired of that. I, you know, offer up something different. But it doesn't all have to be. 2A topics. I mean, some of it can be, you know, you know, how do you conceal carry? What your, what kind of guns do you like? You know, what do you think of this new Glock that just came out? We can vary it up to where it won't be exactly the same thing. That oh, and that's easy because budget almost always does news of the day. He yes, he does on today. Where if you just did it like that on topics, that's unless something happens where you were something planning major, to talk about yeah. CCW and it's a CCW issue that week. But and, yeah, that's one way to kind of uh, intentionally defer from whatever the news of the day. Like you say, everybody's been talking about all week. And he's pretty good about sending out his uh, topics pretty pretty advanced yeah. too. Which is probably uh, one of the reasons his shows on so tight because everybody's aware of what they're going to be talking about and can start prepping. Yeah, and so you could technically spin off of that, like if they're talking about legislation that affects, say, handguns, then talk about you know you know, whatever, 
handguns or, you know, if they're talking about, you know, legislation on 80% lowers, then, you know, have some kind of a conversation on 80% lowers, not in the, not in the aspect of the legislation or whatever that he was talking about. Or if there was a, you know, I don't know, a self defense he talks about that pretty regular about the self-defense thing so what whatever what was the carry gun that the guy used for the self-defense and you know or or any of the aspects any of the information like that you could find and maybe tie you know you could always tie that in where it was like a an extension of that show it just wasn't you know politically or you know as second amendment oriented i guess or or you could talk about your press releases there you go Oh snap! A new press release every week. We're talking yeah. about probation. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> hey, this. Hey, next week is this is coming up. Write your uh, press releases on. No brainstorming of press releases. You know what I kind of like about this now that I'm rolling around in my head too is that think about all the old media that's sitting around being fuddy duddy. Now we have a reason and an excuse to go talk to them about something that they know about and they're probably really good at, and they can hopefully take part of our effort and you know, mentor and coach, and then in the process, learn some of our stuff we're savvy with, we all win. Imagine if we had some of the old writers online instead of just writing on pencil or whatever the hell they do. Right. Yeah. I have a question about that, the press releases. and With with the different sites, you know, we've got, obviously, there's, there's Second Amendment-type sites. Uh none come to mind like truth about guns that kind of stuff where you can write in is would that still be that direction or is it more everyone else outside not that? sure what, not sure what you mean uh, well i because before before you mentioned the press releases and stuff i was talking i was thinking sorry i talked to myself a lot but anyways the, uh like truth about guns i i always get you know, articles sent from uh, friends of mine, you know, back and forth about, you know, things that are put, posted over there. And I, obviously anybody can write, write to those kind of places. Is that, that uh, something that's been used before? I mean, obviously it's used, but is that something that, that we should push to? No, I agree. I have used it successfully with the crowdfunding campaigns with the cards and stuff. Um, because they're more receptive, obviously, and because they're receptive, they could care less if I did it in the right procedure or format and all that. So, yeah, I would definitely include them in your Rolodex of places to send out. Um, just like I was mentioning before, I'm nothing special. I'm just some guy who wanted to do stuff, right? And I grabbed a camera and I went to SHOT Show in Vegas. And then it went to Florida. We went there. It went back to Vegas. I went there. I went to the uh, NRA show. And then at that point, people that are being paid to be at all these different states said, oh, this guy must be legit because he's standing here. I think the same thing applies if you are consistently putting forth useful press releases, let's call them, and utilizing their procedure or whatever, you're going to establish yourself. Even if they don't immediately acknowledge you, you're going to eventually establish yourself as being creditable or at least persistent. And, you know, that's going to give you yeah exactly you're, you're going to get more and more after some point they'll be like oh this guy they're either going to dismiss you as spam and never see it or they're going to eventually go huh, what's this guy he keeps efforting what's all what's all this about and if it gets going in a decent 
in a decent manner, I need to figure out how to do podcasts too, because I've never dinked with that before. Oh, that's super simple, and you definitely got help with that. I would, well, I would say go look at the After Hours show, but uh, I'm on a strike because of that, so we'll have to you know, rehash it. That's not the first one you did, though, I don't believe. It's not, but no, it's easy. In fact, if you start doing your regular... The thing about the podcast, I will say this, you've got to be on a regular schedule. Um, it can't be just an arbitrary, oh, I may do a show this week, I may not do whatever. I mean, you know, whether it's every month or every week or every, you know, it needs to be a certain time you release, a certain day of the week you release, and all of that. Uh, it does it does make a difference. I know that because, like, I've, a lot of times at night I'll play the Hank Strange one or something like that, and my, uh, my service pulls up one from like November the 27th or something like that. And it's like, really? That stuff isn't out there where it needs to be? So I don't know if he just don't update his stuff as often as he should. Or uh, uh, For Hank, it, 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 it deals with the way that they, they move stuff around and, and update. They pulled old content and put it up and all that. And if you'll notice, since I've done the... See, I had a problem when I when I moved over to and was trying new formats for the Monday show uh, to offset the the nail no YouTube live. Um, I changed that from Minimum Monday to just the Monday podcast, and um, now it's it's pretty much strictly going to stay Instagram at this point. I pretty much decided because my Instagram is building and, uh, and I'm liking the the engagement over there. But anyway, um, I'm missing several episodes if you look at the replays on gunstream or youtube or whatever and the reason for that is i had problems trying to get the audio and all copied over and done and this that and the other there for a few weeks i was trying to get all that figured out and by the time i got it figured out then there was really no point you know what i'm saying because i'd missed the schedule release and i didn't want that show to be weeks behind so i just skipped ahead once i i learned what i needed to, to to make it happen and get it done and just started from there which was like episode five or six or something like that it's been pretty solid since so but yeah all that's easy to do and, and we can help you get that lined out and if you do a regular show on friday it's a prime opportunity do it on a friday uh get all that crap all mixed up and and prettied up and whatever and then release it on saturday morning or sunday morning or something i know a lot of times i catch your show on a podcast because it's just pretty pleasant way to experience it really you can listen to it while you're driving or whatever and yeah and that's why yeah that's why i say with the with what i'm shifted to it's it's in a sense a loss for youtube because you know youtube is going to get the is going to get the replay stuff but do you get do you get numbers on how many people actually listen to your podcast? Does that show up anywhere? Shows up my Podbean analytics, and then you can pull up. There's other software plugins and things to look at your iTunes and your other stuff. So you know if it, you know if you're getting traffic. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely. So and I, the one thing that worried me if I wasn't going to YouTube, would you know that? I'm listening, you know. I get between two and three hundred downloads of um a month on on the podcast side of things. That's just that has nothing to do with YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Gunstream or nothing. That's just a podcast side of things. 
um, the that pod mean because like I said that's the analytic I can jump into and look real quick, and it it fluctuates, but it's it's in the two to three hundred download range every month. Yeah, I don't know why more people don't take advantage of that because it's basically radio on demand. You know, get a show you like, listen to it whenever you want to. That's the that's the thing is there are a bunch there is a bunch of people and you'll attest to that there is a bunch of people that take advantage of that it's just a matter of getting tapped into that market because there's you know quote unquote panels out there that I've seen and I'm thinking how do they have the influence and the pull that they've got they've only got thirteen thousand subs on YouTube or something and then you go look at their podcast presence and it's unbelievable and that's where their clout is at. Oh, okay. So it's out there now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you, you can schedule that too, just to download every time, you know, yours comes out with a new one, right? And then you just have it to your, your, yeah. uh, yeah. it'll like feed to your player or whatever you're using to listen. Depending okay. On so, you're... so if, uh, if I subscribe, that's going to show, you know, one, it'll be each one that comes out, I'll, I'll automatically get and that kind of stuff. I, mean, I haven't messed with much of that. So. Yeah. Yeah, you. I mean, you can go back and see past stuff. If you were to go over and subscribe or follow now, you would, you wouldn't get anything for the past stuff. But you could obviously scroll through all the past stuff if you wanted to. Yeah, that kind of. I guess. Well, I guess that comes full circle back into the Monday show, right? <laughs> we come back around to tech again with podcast. It all eventually does. I was just typing over here to catch Bay, our friend from Finland, who jumped in over on the gun channel side, just chatting with him a bit. And um, I was just going to say another way to, I found, or I think would be a, I've seen, I've listened to other people, and I suspect that's why they're doing it, is it's not like YouTube. YouTube analytics are uh, deceiving because of Google, the biggest internet presence basically i guess facebook's bigger but you know what i mean you youtube and google figured out analytics a long time ago what they offer to us is insane uh is being able to, to monitor what people are doing on the other hand um the podcasting you'll get a a feel for it but what i would suggest to throw into your um mix or into your plan is to ask for feedback uh ask people to to leave a particular like a thumb or a heart or something uh, motive, uh give them like clover will do like let's all go to instagram and do something so and then you can judge by the amount of ac interactivity how many people are listening and if you don't make it like something that they have to do immediately then you know what i mean you can uh gauge what kind of involvement you get through other means than just analytics i guess yeah it was really interesting with the giveaway tonight that was the 2,000 sub, you know, YouTube giveaway. But because I didn't have live, I'm like, well, I'll just, uh, you know, I'm doing Monday anyway on Instagram. I'll just, we'll draw the winners on Instagram. And the turnout was pretty amazing over there tonight. So um, that was, and that was very interesting. That scene, there was obviously some crossover and stuff that I was able to pull because of that. So. And then I'll throw out there just from driving around that there's a for, I forget about how many people drive around in cars in big cities where there's commutes and stuff. So what the way that we deal with podcasts has got to be a is a 180 for, you know, t totally different than the way that somebody's consuming podcasts because they have a 
whatever it is, a 15, 20, 30 minute hour commute, those people are devouring podcasts. And they're probably, I suspect, if they're into podcasts, looking for new stuff. And once they find a new one, they'll have the opportunity to devour it, you know, to just listen to your entire library. So uh, I think that it's a whole nother market that few of us on YouTube are, are tapping into. And also you're looking at, at what's a, it's an interesting dynamic too, or an interesting demographic in a way, because it's going to be more of an urban area. So yeah. they may not necessarily be as exposed to the quote unquote firearm life or community or second amendment. So, you know, it's very possible they could happen across it. Just like you say, searching for new content and go, Oh, well I've heard of that company or I've heard of, you know, whatever you're talking about. I've heard of that issue or you know, whatever. And they listen in and you talk about reaching people in the middle for people that are not in the know and being able to pull people in. That's uh, podcasting is a way to reach a, a an underserved, I would say, demographic for our community. I agree. I want to keep talking, but at some point we got to end it, and it's already way past the last year. Probably. <laughs> so Pink uh, had a better one at three oh eight. We should have ended it, but uh, whatever. We can't always end it. I don't think it's really. Well, that depends, on, that depends on where you're at. But yeah. Oh, wait. If we end it at uh, one minute, the two minutes from now, it'll be 2.23 in the central time zone. So that's it'll be 2.23. Sure. So with that, uh, stay tuned for uh, Hosh does his um, the ham radio crash course typically on Fridays, right? But uh, depending on his schedule, uh, Gary's going to start doing the Friday show. Uh uh, Clover does shows throughout the week, both produced and live on the various platforms. We're here every evening at midnight. And remember, on the second of each month, everybody can participate in the Every Second Matters. Anybody else want to say anything before we head out? I've got a quote. Go for it. Well, hold on. Before the quote, anybody else want to say anything else before we officially sign off? No, that's it. Happy New Year, everybody. Okay. Yeah, Happy New Year. Yep, it was an awesome year. We look forward to another awesome one. Thanks, everybody, for making everything so successful. What's that quote? Uh, it's from Charles Kettering, and it's kind of a New Year's related in a way. It says, every time you tear off, uh, tear a leaf off a calendar, you present a new place for new ideas and progress. The guys and gals of GunWebsites.com encourage you to take a CCW class every year, practice at least once a month, and carry every day. Thanks for watching GunWebsites.com.